Hi everyone, welcome to episode 593 of Conversation Street. I am Michael. I'm Gemma. And we are going to be talking about the episodes of Corrie broadcast between the 11th and the 15th of September this week. That is episodes 11,055 to 11,059. Yeah. Aren't we? <laughs> Any, anything to report this week or cracking on with Corrie? We, we, we've been, I was just thinking, we were, this time last week we were all in our car up to, up to up north, weren't we? Our lovely weekend away and it's been back to reality this week. Nice weekend, wasn't it? We had a good, good trip. Yeah. We don't know what we're talking about. Go and listen to our bonus podcast. We saw Sue Devaney on stage. It was yeah, we awesome. did. It was great stuff. But um, yeah, no, apart from that, nothing to report this week. It's been fairly standard. So, um, would you like a quiz? Yeah, let's just, got a pen. Has anyone else got, had anything good happen to them? Nobody ever tells us what they've been up to. If you've been sometimes having, people do. Well, not very often. If anything really great has happened to you one week, let yeah. us know. That would be make really us happy. nice, actually. What I'd good like things to hear good have things. happened to you this week? Don't tell us about bad things no, like, like leaky tents and <laughs> all stuff like we've got our problems. Cheer us up with some tales of joy Happiness, from yeah. your lives. Gemma, <laughs> make my life joyful. Is this going to be a good quiz? Yeah, you're going to get, get all it. Of them. I did terribly last week, I remember. I need got to a redeem myself. Paper? I've got an envelope to write on the back of. I've got a pen. And I've got a brain in my head, hopefully. This anyway, time. Let's see. Things that happen between the 11th and the 15th of September in years ending in a 3 and an 8. Source this from Coropedia, carnationstreet.fandom.com. You should be like a TV quiz show host. I know. They they never give their sources, do they? At the beginning. (laughs) Imagine. Right, go on then. 11th of September 1998. How does Anne Malone set Curly up to be arrested? She she cuts out bits of uh, pages, letters from a book, old classic style, and then uses them to write a ransom letter of sorts. Extortion threat. Extortion She frames him. Yes, that's correct. I know what I'm talking about. 11th of September 2013. Why does Dev try to stop the wedding between Carl and Stella? Oh, I remember. This was a really, this is a good fight in the Rovers, wasn't it? He, I, I, I'm guessing, I'm assuming, he found out about Carl setting fire to the Rovers. Do you know how he found out? Ah. No. It wasn't that at all. It was because he was, was like, it, was don't it, do it. She's so boring. Was it one of Sunita's orbs came to, to tell him? Yeah. It was Carl who did it. It was Craig. Oh, yeah, Craig didn't. I still get, I get a mark for that, didn't I? He works out Carl set fire to the Rovers yes. based on Craig's confession. Exactly what I said. 12th of September 1983. Who moves into number nine? Oh. 1983. I'm going to say Jack and Vera. Yeah, the Duckworths. Yeah. Correct. Thanks. 13th of September 2003. Who was killed in a car crash? 2003. Who was killed in a car crash, you say? Um, yep. Pose many questions based on dates. Gonna, well, I, mean, I don't know, we're giving away classic coronation jokes. They're catching up to their soon. Who must it sorry, have been? Sorry for the spoiler. 2003. There's going to be another one in a minute. Can I have Can I have a little mini clue? Um, he was probably in it once. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, oh, uh, Fairly significant, I guess, in a sense, of that he is a keep going, parent keep of, a, of a character... Oh. He's not in it now. I don't know. I don't know. Who is it? Uh, he likes a, a kickabout. What was the question? Who got killed in a car crash? Yeah. Somebody who likes a kickabout. It's not David uh, Barlow because he's long dead. <laughs> not Tommy Orpington. Um, I, I don't know. Neil Ferns. Oh. Uh, good, good quiz question, that one. 
14th of September 2003. Drama. Vera accidentally serves hash cakes to which characters? 2003. Um, how many? List me right. four fuddy duddies of the Norris? Yes. Uh, Vera feeds them, you say. Uh-huh. Uh, Rita. Yes. Emily. Yes. Um, <laughs> too here's funny. the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, Blanche. Uh-uh. No. Oh. So close. Who was it? It was Roy. Roy! Do I get Classic. any points for yeah, that? Yeah, you get. Three points, you say? Yeah, so I've got three of them, right? Care. That sounds good. Nice, I've easy one. I've given up on this. Thank you very care. much. Next. But can you imagine if that's how the quiz was like now? What? Warwick Davies untenable. I don't care. It's untenable. <laughs> Who cares? Not even the correct use of the word. 15th of September 1993. Which two Better Buys employees have a drunken one night stand? Kelly and Maureen? Yes. Yeah. One mark or two. You need to get two, right? Just yeah, get just whatever. Just Give so yourself generous. how many points is that? Eighteen out of eighteen, probably. Is that it? Yeah, I'm done. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, and eight out of nine. Wow. Not bad. You should get ten really. Excellent quiz. The best quizzes are the ones that I know the answers to. Thanks very much. Birthdays. Reginald Marsh on the seventeenth of September, who played Dave Smith. Sherry Houston who played Maureen Webster. Charles Lawson. Joe McDonald, Catherine Tilsley. Why did you call him Charles Lawson? Because it's written down like that here. It's his birthday. Charlie. Call him with respect. All right. Yeah. Catherine Tilsley played Eva Price, 19th of September. Oh, Sally Ann Matthews. Is it Sal's birthday? Oh, God, it is, isn't it? It's been coming up soon. Written down here is Jenny Bradley, which is how long I've had my my, uh, (laughs) birthday list going. Eve Steele played Anne Malone, speaking of. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's funny when when something significant happens with a character and it's their birthday, like the week after. I was thinking of them <laughs> sitting around going, oh, it's my birthday soon. Oh, oh I'm going to be in Corrie again. <laughs> uh, 25th of September, Denon Ditchett played Ardy the first. Ardy the first, yeah. And 22nd of September, Arthur Lowe, who was Leonard Swindley. Oh, that's a pretty good week this week. Happy birthday what? to all you lot. Mm. Yes, classic. Is that it? Is that really it for our pre-show Yeah, that's ramblings? it. We don't need to talk as much as normal. All no, we've not got anything to say. Fine, well, let's let's get on and talk about Coronation Street then, I suppose. Right, um, it is Street Talk time now. I, I'm not going to say this was a vintage week of Coronation Street this week, are you? Just to set you up here, listeners, there, <laughs> there might be a little bit of boredom or moaning coming into today's Street Talk. We'll try, we'll try and keep it light. As usual, some really exciting things happened. I think. Send Usually so at least one exciting thing happens. Wednesday, Wednesday's two, episode was good. I can good. two exciting things happened this week. What? Well, the the, the affair being revealed. Yeah. And, oh, and, and the shock dying. at the end. I was not prepared for that. I'll, I'll, we'll those get those that two later. were really good. Yeah, that it was just surrounded it by just a, like... a bit of fillery stuff. Um, I do have a few good storyline titles for you, Gemma. No, you don't. I do. Well, we're starting off with the Papa Dom story, of course. We knew that one already. Um, so, Ardy and Courtney being... Um, Found out caught in the act. Yeah. Caught, yeah, yeah. Not the best. Caught in the act. Yes, like Courtney. Not my best one. Not my best one. Um, Next one, shell shock. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. a bit better, a little bit better. Okay, and then we got the Cassie come home. Right now, you ready for this one? This is a good one. (laughs) You, you know, you know the classic nineteen eighties film. This is going to be a short street talk. I need to pad it out. Why don't you just tell me the joke and I'll see if I can. No, 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 I don't think you'll get it otherwise. (sighs) Jewel of the Nile. Classic. 
Yeah, this is the Dee Dee story where she doesn't believe that her new man actually fancies her. She thinks he's just an interested denial in American law. Denial of the jewel. Joel Love Denial. No. Yes, that's really good. What do you mean, no? Joel Love Denial. Joel Love Denial. Joel Love Denial. No. It's brilliant. Oh, you're so unsupportive of my punnery endeavours. Yeah. Okay, then we've got the teen- Sabrina and the Teenage Bitch was in it a little bit. Last one. This is, is this another one? Yeah, this, this is a short one. It's Ed's gambling storyline. This is a classic Corrie throwback for this one, Gemma. Luke in the marina. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ed, horses, classic Corrie character. Talking Ed, Ed, the talking horse. This, let me say it. Who was Fred married to? Edna Gigi. Edna Gigi. <laughs> oh, that'll get us a chuckle. Thank you very much. Terrible. I got there at the end. That's awful. <laughs> you, classic terrible. Michael Terrible storyline title. Uh, imagine if you were in charge of newspaper headlines. Well, sorry. What can I say? The story on the front page wouldn't be what the what you know what the article is about. It would be explaining the pun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I did my best. Sorry, well done. You tried. Well done. You. I tried. Right, Papa Dom story, Gemma. We're gonna we're gonna bust this one out this first. One. Well, Coronation Street. I'm gonna say put this as its a story this week. Interesting some might choice. some might say a bold move. Putting Stu and Eliza in the spotlight for a whole week. Um, can't say it completely pulled off, although we did get a stunt on Monday's episode. Um, so El- Eliza's still getting a bit impatient on Monday because um, Dom's supposed to be visiting. He didn't turn up last week. He says his car's broken down and she's like, well, clearly he's just, he's just having like you on. You he's stringing just... you along here, Eliza. You can summarise this so easily. Eliza gets run we don't, over. We don't want that. Look, we don't want this to be a. I said it'd be a shorter street talk story. Eliza gets run really, over and then she wants to move in with her dad, and her dad doesn't really want her to move in, but he is trying to blackmail Stu and says, Give me 10 grand and you have her. Yes, that's Free. exactly what happened. Look, stop it, stop it. Not I really. asked you which story you wanted to be, this, be the synopsizer of, and you let me choose. You gave so me I'm a doing of two, this one. Two stories no, I don't care about. You do care about the Courtney storyline. That's what you've got next. You like you enjoyed that on Wednesday at least. So I'm going to slowly take us through every minute detail of the thrilling adventures we of Stu and Eliza. To. Thank you very much. Look, she they go to the precinct because Stu said, "Look, you, you, your dad's not going to turn up for your love." He's he was really quite mean, wasn't he? He was like saying, "Well, clearly your dad doesn't love you, otherwise he would have turned up." It's like, I'm not surprised that Eliza got out and, and ran away from him. He's been a right arse to her. Um, so anyway, he, he runs, she runs off into the street. And then don't ask me how it managed to get up quite such a speed in the tight constraints of the precinct road. But um, a car comes out of nowhere, bashes into her and knocks her flying. We watched that scene a few times, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, not not getting the uh, the most sterling of impressions online. I I didn't mind it, but everyone's saying that was a rubbish rubbish stunt. I well, we watched it back. We were trying to I figure record, out. Recorded it on my phone, and then we could use them, scroll back and forth quite easily. And um, it did look like it the, the it actress was somewhat was there. But I do think she was on a green screen. I th- I think yeah. They, I mean they... the argument is. Do you want them to just run over actresses? Usually, it's good. Usually yeah. when they have you yeah, know well, people being hit by a car, you're either going to have an old Alison Webster where somebody runs into a road and then people watching just hear a bang, or you get your mannequin like, like Sarah Louise after the no, um, after the COVID. I but... prefer, I prefer you hear what it is insinuated but not seen in like 90% of 
of cases if it's a accident if they because mm. i don't want them to spend money on it but 100 percent of shagging scenes <laughs> just show me some curtains blowing out through a window and i'll that's all you need piece to it together myself no I, I i didn't mind this i thought it was quite good for them to actually show the car hitting her even though we did go oh that's she fake, the bloody that's wind, fake. The, the wing mirror and now she's made it. of tough stuff is, is eliza she's just going around vandalizing cars with her shoulder well they they also had a stunt woman didn't they because they put yeah. on the instagram they show look here's here's eliza's double but i didn't feel like they ever i reckon actually what used they must have done was Filmed the stunt double getting hit with it and then superimposed her over the top. Maybe you're right. Because but at one made, point, made it think. looks like the wing mirror goes behind her leg, but then it appears in front of her leg. <laughs> um, anyway, so she's been hit by a car down on the road and Stu's like, ready out. But she doesn't die. <laughs> she does not die. She's all right. She's clearly in a lot of pain, though. So she goes, uh, they go to the hospital and <laughs> Eliza's, Eliza does that. Will I be you able to play the guitar again? Is. Is that I didn't even do the joke if I couldn't play it before. No. Yeah, so uh, she will play a guitar again, fortunately. And she, she's also concerned that her dad will want to know that she's, you know, what, what's happened to her. her. So can Stu, that's what I said. So Stu <sighs> is asked to go and phone her. So Dom shows up with this giant teddy um, and, and Stu says, explains what happened. Kind of said, yeah, sorry, it's my fault. Yeah, Eliza says, yeah, we were arguing about you, actually. And Don makes it very clear that he thinks Stu's a total old duffer who can't look after Eliza whatsoever. And and then he kind of, he, he's clearly lying at this point. He says, oh, yeah, what's he saying? My phone ran out of battery. I saw the message you sent me, Eliza, and I was just about to reply to you, but my phone ran out of battery. Um, she completely falls for it, but Stu sees right through it. Um, and then Eliza goes to get a cast put on and wants Dom to come with her, not Stu. Burned. That's all I can say. And it, any, just throw in any commentary that you, I'm sure you've got some deep thoughts about this storyline just waiting to burst out, haven't you? What colours are cast? White. How, you can get any colour and she picked white. If that doesn't sum up Eliza as a character, I don't know what is. Do you get to choose your cast colour? Yeah. Really? Well, I, yeah. I might have got never, a cast once, I'm sure. Why was I in the cast room then? I remember seeing all the colours. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, what double life have I been leading? Maybe at the private hospitals, that's what you get. It wasn't a private hospital, <laughs> I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> anyway, um, so she's got a cast on later. Alia shows up and as Stu says... Um, well, Eliza's got the person that she wants with her. He's clearly very miffed that um, she that he's been um, shunned in favour of dodgy Dom. Um, and Alia says, "Look, don't don't worry about it. He's a dad. This isn't your fault. It's normal to think that the sun shines out of a dumb uh, out of a dad's ass at the moment. Have a dumb ass at the moment. Dom's ass at the moment. Look, he's a novelty, but it's gonna wear off. Don't worry. Just stick it out. Ride it out, Stu." So they go and see her in the hospital room. She seems kind of pleased enough with how her cast has come on. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, maybe we can go and have a pizza for tea tonight, like pet. And Eliza's like, well, actually, I want to stay with my dad. Uh, and not just one for one night either. I want to live with him. Oh, no, Gemma, Eliza, she's going to go and live with Dom. But where does Dom live? She can if she Precinct. wants. Precinct. Just like everybody else now, apparently. No, he does have a set. Oh, he does have a set. Yes. Well, that's all right. She can move well, in then. I think he's supposed to be living at the precinct. Was it, was it Wednesday that we got to yeah. see it? It was some very precinct esque well, they, uh, decor. Well, an establishing shot outside the precinct, and then the next thing you see is Stu standing inside a block of flats. Mm. 
must be. Which makes me think if they didn't mean for it to be that way, then they made a bit of a mistake choosing that particular shot to open the show with. It's funny, like at the beginning of the year, we were saying, oh, I wonder who they'll have living at the precinct. But it's, now it's, we're like, oh. everybody lives at the precinct. Who have we got now? We've got... Um, Evelyn and Cassie. Well, e- Evelyn and Cassie's flat there is there, although neither of them are actually living it Sabrina. at the moment. Sabrina and um, and Thingy live there. Then now you got Gav. Um, Gav. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you got um, what's, what's his, his face? Name? Dom, Gav. Oh, suspicious. I think. Anyway, um, Stu's absolutely fuming at this news that Eliza's chosen their dad over him, and Dom's like, Tell me you, what you, like. you hash this out. Yeah, I can't believe that you want to live with your dad instead of me. No, say it. I'm absolutely fuming. I'm absolutely fuming. Yeah. Just like that. And Eliza says, look, I don't want you to be my guardian Shut anymore. Up, you are old. And you're a big old fart, Stu. Stu's fun. And he's my dad. So Eliza no, says, Dom's look. fun. What? Dom's fun. Dom's fun. Sorry, Dom's fun. I wrote Stu's fun in my notes here, but you're right. That doesn't Stu's make sense. Stu's not fun. Alia says, look, Stu, leave her, leave her alone with Dom. Please, it's all going to sort itself out. Ollie's like, let, let her live with Dom for a week. He'll be screaming mm. to return her. <laughs> Alia, Alia has a scene with Eliza and says, look, oh, you can change your mind if you want to. Don't worry, we can't tell you what to do. And Eliza says to Alia, I hate Stu. He's rubbish. And Alia says, you know what? You can be pretty ungrateful. Stu's been working his socks off to provide for you. Nobody cares for you as much as he does. And uh, Eliza's like, yeah, well, I don't care. So Stu's with Dom in the waiting room later and it quickly becomes apparent that Stu doesn't actually want to look after Eliza permanently after all. Because uh, he's like, he likes the idea of having a daughter, but um, not not 24 hours a day. So he tells Stu, look, I just, yeah, I'm just not cut out for being a, pa- a parent, quite frankly. Discipline, routines, that's just not me. Maybe we should stay, maybe um, she should stay at your house for a little bit longer and maybe she's maybe she's going to go off me. After all, look, Dom says, I'm going through a few money troubles as it is, so, you know, maybe... Stu's like, what the heck? You clearly... You, you just hurt, you're just trying to get a load of money off me. It doesn't It doesn't work that, that Dom's rused. Well, I don't know. I suppose Dom was actually trying to hint at it, wasn't he? Yes. Yes, yes. yes. Dom was trying no. to... Nothing. Dom's saying, you've got money, and... I don't. If I don't have... And, and I, yeah, I don't have want. money... Maybe we could have a little arrangement here. Mm-hmm. He's watched this show before. And maybe Steve's I might been watching something else. Maybe I might back off a little bit if I could have some of your some of your windfall. What do you say to that? She's like you. You think money is more important than your own flesh She's and blood? You're paying. You 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 want you're selling your child to me. How how. What the hell? So uh, uh, they can't really get very far into this conversation because Eliza and Alia, I think, come out of the. Um, cast room or whatever it's called and um Stu says look you're coming home with me today she's miffed goes to the car with Alia um Stu says to Dom you're not getting a penny off of me so go home Stu tells Alia about Dom's um offer and he says well you know I might, might actually go for it because if it gets me rid of Dom it's money well spent and Alia says that's no good look he can still take you to court over this he you give him the money you can't it's got to be a secret. You've lost all your... What's this? <laughs> You've lost your what's it? You lost it. Lost yeah, and you your got, monster munch. You lost your money and you could lose your daughter as well. If you could, don't, don't give in to this. So he goes also, off to bed to have a like, ponder over it. Also, if I'd be like, she's not worth 10 grand. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you haggle? 
Yeah. Um, so it's the evening. Stu tries to have a bit of a makeup chat with Eliza. She's kind of playing along with it, but then uh, she says, "Oh, I'm going to go and take myself off to bed." Oh no, she doesn't. She says, "I'm going to take myself off to school tomorrow." No. And um, but actually, Wade, she's packing her unicorn bag and does a classic Corrie Child midnight flit. She very loudly. Was it? You was know, she strumming was. her guitar as she no, went. No, she slammed the. She like. She's like sneaking about. He lit. You made a comment about this. He, she literally waited like a second after he, after she went upstairs. Oh yeah, upstairs, she did, didn't she? Packed her bag and then like slammed the door on yeah. the way out. Very secret. And Stu's like, probably like, I was probably just Ali's boyfriend. <laughs> um, Wednesday. So that was a thrilling episode on Monday, wasn't it? Wednesday. Oh, you used to wait. So, I oh, know it made it a bit better on Wednesday. So Stu and Ali have come down to find that Eliza's gone. They assume that she's gone off to school like she said she would for choir practice. She's even put the laundry away, says Alia. So she must be all okay with things. And he says, thanks, Alia, for talking to her yesterday. Seems to have done the trick. And I'm going to show Eliza just what a fun old chap I am today by taking her to the pictures. Also, what do you think they're going to see, Oppenheimer or Barbie? They probably they've probably seen it now. What do you think? What's in the? I don't know what's out at the moment. Not sure. There's that new Nun film coming out soon, and uh, and Saw Thirteen or whichever one they're up to at the moment. But anyway, um, he's like, yeah, Dom's not having his money. Um, he'd never be able to handle full-time custody either. Eliza is going nowhere, or so he thinks. So he's having to walk along the street to speed dial later. I don't fancy it. I want to see that. He goes on oh, to... my big what? fat Greek wedding three. Definitely don't fancy that. Stu sees Ruby and Hope at the bus stop later, who ask him where Eliza is. And he says, oh, she's at choir practice. She went off to school early. And Hope's, Hope knows that choir practice is, isn't on, but she keeps stunned because... She's not grass. Sisters before Mr. Stu's. And uh, yeah, exactly. And at speed dial later, Stu gets a call from the school. Eliza's not come in. Oh no. So he's convinced she must have gone to see Dom, rushes off to go and see him at his new lovely precinct home. Hammers on the door. Yep, Eliza's there. She says, yeah, I was here last night, actually. So she says, what? why didn't you tell me? And Dom, to Dom, and Dom says, well, I've got, I'm under no obligation to let you know where my daughter is. Thank you very much. And if Eliza's oh so important to you, why are you so desperate to cling on to this cash? Come on, gimme, gimme, gimme. Eventually, Eliza's social worker turns up and a police officer because Stu's called them round and Dom lets them in, but Stu has to stay outside. They find out that Eliza's allowed to... Oh, this is really a boring story. Well, no, story, the, the social it? worker speaks to <laughs> Eliza and says, she wants to stay here, there's not really a problem, it's fine with She's me. A, he's a dad you, you after all. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. And I can't believe that the social worker has got no problem with the, the dad not informing the granddad... And also not let, not sending her to school. That just seems like a really irresponsible I know. move. But she, well, she's not here to decide that, is she? She celebrates uh, by punching a policeman on the nose. Yeah, that was that was a moment of excitement. They have a little tussle, don't they, with the with the police officer? He gets a line, which makes a nice change for him. Like, don't punch me in the face. Yeah, so uh, I'm, having, I'm getting married. Stu on gets Saturday. arrested, gets bailed, so that's a bit of excitement for all the five minutes. And Dee Dee's there and uh, warns him that grandparents don't usually come out well in these situations. Well, she's trying to cheer maybe... him up by saying, well, grandparents don't usually, it doesn't usually work out for them, but luckily for you, Eliza wants to stay with you, right? Yeah, she says that right? if, if, if you can make Eliza want to stay with you, no. then... Yeah, he says, she says maybe if Eliza really no. wants to stay with you, then she yes, has to the point, her. The point was that she doesn't. That was supposed to be the point well, of that scene. Yes, okay. 
Well, maybe I don't know. No, I know because I watched it. What were you doing? <laughs> Typing up my notes, actually. Eliza breaks the news about the arrest to Alia. Is that right? No. Yes. Yes, it is. No, I did watch this, I promise. But then Alia tells him about Alia... the 10K. Who's him? Her. No. <laughs> oh, I don't bloody know. No, it's Dee Dee, isn't it? Dee Dee goes round to see Alia. I remember. I was watching it. <laughs> She says... We take it in turns, don't we? We take it in turns to watch what's happening. I'll, I'll tell you that. She says, look, Stu's been arrested um, and Alias tells her about the Dom's offer of £10,000. DJ says, look, if Stu can prove this, it could seriously affect his case. Was a bit risky move of Dom, really, wasn't it? Stu ends up spending the ep- rest of the episode getting a little bit sozzled in the pub with Evelyn. Nice little scene. They never have anything together. They mentioned what Stu called Evelyn Evelyn and she corrected him, so I do, did enjoy that. And then he ends up going and has a bit of a sing-song at the bar. But fortunately for Daisy, who's having to put up with this, Arlie and Dee Dee come up in, try and talk him home. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to give him the money. It's quicker. Get, I'll get what I want. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Dee Dee says, no, don't. Let's have a strategy meeting, which we don't get to see. Because the next time we see Stu, he's sleeping off his drunken stupor on the sofa there. And Alia is not impressed with him. She says, look, next few days are a waiting game. Waiting quietly and patiently. Just, it's going to be fine, I promise. You've got to show that you're the perfect granddad. Get some Werther's Originals. Exactly. So, Alia and Stu on Friday. It's Yasmin's birthday. Happy birthday, Yasmin. They're recording the video message for her. It was, they're, they're, they're into that in Cory at the moment. You, what was it? The, they did. Oh, it was, it was a Billy, wedding. Yeah. yeah, Billy and Paul recording a video. Or was it Summer? No, it's Summer. Summer and Billy, I think, doing a video something invite about or something weddings. the other day. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, what's, I wonder what's going on with Ryan at the moment speaking of videos. He should do a video, shouldn't he? Yeah. They said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, naked video. They just, they're going around asking all the neighbours, can you just film something <laughs> for Yasmin's birthday? <laughs> Ryan's just on autopilot Ryan, and he's like done strips off. I didn't she was a fan, but <laughs> that's fine with me. More maybe, than maybe she is. Maybe Could she's be. one of his subscribers. Maybe you never know. Like, oh, thank God they got me one from Ryan. <laughs> I don't care about this one from Eliza. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, they decide they're going to try and get the neighbours to record Yasmin a video message as well. What about Eliza, though, says um, Alia. And she says, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. He, he, I'm still really worried about her, but he's, she's not responding to any of my messages. So I don't think she's going to be into it. Oh, how I miss her. And her, I don't know, what does she bring to, what does she bring to the house, Eliza? Still, still trying to figure out her personality. I don't, I don't, I don't not one. like, I don't not like Eliza. I don't, I don't. She's just still a bit of a blank canvas after being yeah. in the show for what a year is it? She's not, just a kind of sweet, uh, sweet girl who can sometimes get a bit stroppy. Her, her stories have been plot driven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she hasn't really got a personality. No, she's she's standard young girl, isn't she, that's that's not quite turned into a teen tearaway yet. Anyway, social worker comes to visit Stu. She says, I've been to see Eliza. She wants to save a dog with Dom now. Sorry. Um, I'm sure there's a storyline title there with Dom, domestic, domicile. I'll think of it for next week. Stu says, look, just please try and get Eliza to come back. And the woman's like, oh, I can't. She's fine with her dad, actually. Um, and you going around nagging Eliza to return isn't going to help either. 
So, later on, we have a lovely little scene with Sam and Hope and Eliza in the cafe with Roy. He's there going to record his message for Yasmin, which they help him out with. Did you enjoy Roy's... Um, it was funny. Holding up his cards. I wanted it at the end to say it's Roy Cropper. I know! Perfect opportunity with the final card to have said, from Roy. From Roy Cropper. Yeah, from Roy. That would have been funny. <laughs> um, so, the, the, the kids go to the bus stop and Eliza... Oh, no, and th- this is where... Um, yeah, Eliza or, gets feels what? Or Roy could have done. Roy could have done all the all the the because he had a bunch of cards with writing on it. Yeah, like the love scene. And then at the end, he could have gone from Roy, but said it. Could have done. Could have worked. Who knows? Um, so Eliza feels left out because she mm. wasn't asked to record a video message. So um, Hope and Sam help her record one in the style of a rap. No, they're they're beatboxing, aren't they? And she's yeah. doing a little bit of cool singing. My name is Eliza and I'm here to say I hope you have a birthday in the Weatherfield way. Sound off. One, birthday in the Weatherfield way. What was that a surprise party? Um, it's Tragic. A fake out. Everyone's forgotten your birthday. Birthday fake out, yeah. But they haven't really because here's a present. <laughs> um, anyway, so they see that. Blah, 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 blah. And Stu's left at the, the end of the episode, very touched because the accompanying message from Eliza's video is, I love you. And that's basically it. What's she want now? Suck up. I think that's the shortest we've ever been. Like, th- there was an awful lot of time spent on this story this week, wasn't there? But we've just bashed through it in about 15 minutes or I so. Don't, I don't have anything. What was wrong with this story? What can we Can we unpick what we didn't like about it? Was it the characters? Was it the was it the cliched, blackmaily kid selling plot? Do you remember the days when it was you know shocking that somebody tried to sell their child? Where, which time was that though? Because there were about fifty. You know, back in the classic with with Terry and Tommy, I really they... kind, of, kind of meant something then. But people have been selling kids on Corrie for like decades. I just who it, were we met like uh, Tracy Summer most recently tried to sell her kid. You had what's her face? who was in Downton Abbey trying to sell her kid. The mallets bought bought her. Yeah. There's loads of them. Uh, Kylie. It's just that there's nothing really about this story. You even that, did a chart. That you, yeah, talk, yeah, did, you did, did a chart did about a chart how much it costs ago. to buy a child. Yeah, ten grand for Eliza. I it, it they're just I I, I did nothing that feels um fresh or novel or anything about this story and it's not exactly the same as any of those ones but yeah you got the deadbeat dad the the making a dodgy offer um not actually wanting to be a parent the person who is actually going to do a better job has the kid taken away from them it's just it's just going down a well-trodden path and the fact that the characters involved i don't really care about it just makes it um all the all the more uninspiring. If Eliza moved in with Dom permanently, it would make no functional difference whatsoever to anything that's going on in the show. No, it, that, that's a really good point. We haven't seen Eliza. We haven't seen enough of their happy family setup to nope. care whether she comes or goes. Nope. Um, you know, Stu's... Is Stu going to learn anything from this? No. Does, it, does he He's need to be, be taught le- a lesson? learn to be a cool so. granddad. Um, I mean, Eliza's being a brat, but 
She's well, that, yeah, that's kind of part of the problem as well. But Eliza being fairly bratty over the last few weeks yeah, kind of makes me think, just take her then, Don. Yeah. Do you, you, you're better off without her, mate. They, they've left it too long because it was kind of sweet when when um, Eliza first moved in with Stu and he was getting all excited about having to walk her to school. Yeah, and, do you remember that? And stuff. Yeah, I do. So I brought it up. Thanks, I got. <laughs> but we haven't seen that for a while. No. They've just or, been ticking along. We've not seen enough of what goes on at number six, and it's just been and, mostly. And Yasmin's not there either. Yeah, I wonder whether I wonder how Yasmin different... would be the heart of the story, really. Yeah, See, I, I guess you know what's going on would... here is feeding into Stu's feeling of inadequacy that has been building up for a little bit. But that longer. doesn't feel connected at all. No, and, and I, you know, if Yasmin was here, she could say something about, "Oh, my grandchildren are the greatest joy of my life." Like you, Stu, my children, I, you know, because obviously Cal's dead and she's been, she had to sort of step in and do for um, Alia and Zidane what mm. Stu's doing for Eliza. But that feels like such a more, much more solid relationship than Stu and Eliza. Yeah, so I guess on paper it maybe is better that Yasmin's not here at the moment Why? because... But I just Stu- said that she should be. Well, here. no, but no, I'm thinking that maybe it's it, it should be better dramatically that Stu has to deal with this by himself and he doesn't have the support of Yasmin, although he does have Alia, who is being, you know, Alia's being palatable this week, isn't she? She's... Oh, yeah. I, I, I wonder whether her. this was originally a storyline that needed Yas that, you know, that they want Yasmin in, but she's on holiday or something. Yeah, possibly. I don't I don't really know. It's just it's just I mean it really works. not inspiring. It's okay, but it's not an A story by any stretch of the imagination. Even though it took up that much space. They it, it, it's not they're not frequently occurring characters but every so often they say oh let's have a little story with the, the guys at number six and it's just not working mate it, the the the, prob- the other problem with it is of course that people are still saying you know one of um one of ian mcleod's best stories in his increasingly long tenure was was the yasmin and jeff story wasn't it everybody loved the coercive control story and there had been you know Yasmin definitely wasn't a lot of people's favourite character before that, but that did such good for her. And ever since that's wrapped up, she's just, she's been put in, they're still using her, but not in anywhere near as good way. And people are just saying, oh, not as good as the coercive control story. And I, I don't know how they're going to get out of this, but it's it's not it's not this way. Um, well, do you feel... Yasmin what? being in Pakistan doesn't help. no. Um, it, there's all, it's also the fact that, you know, we're supposed to feel sorry for Stu, I guess, but also I'm thinking, no, he has been not the best. He, he, he's trying his best, but you know, when you have those scenes like in the car, when he, when he told Eliza, oh, your dad hates you, (laughs) but I suppose nobody's perfect. You know, he's, 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 he's screwed up with his first child. He's not, he doesn't know how to raise a child. He's never... He's never been good at it. I would imagine his generation of men probably let mm. um, the wife deal with all the kids stuff. It was really sweet. There are loads you... of people his age who have children who they don't know anything about. Mm. And to be fair to him, it was really sweet last week when he went and got the the, tap, the pads and everything for Eliza. That was a really nice. Thing. He, he's 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 trying his best, but not always doing a good job. And he doesn't understand I... children. No, but not everybody does. Um, I it, 
I don't know why you need to drag it out. We've talked about it. Talked now. about this. Is anyone enjoying this? Are we missing something? Or, <laughs> or, 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 or is it? Is it? Maybe they're just build. Maybe next week's going to be a big week with big stories. I don't know what's happening next week, Gemma. So let let's let's move on the Courtney and Ardy storyline. So. This, this was a bit of a sandwich this week, wasn't it? It was a little bit, you know, not so exciting on Monday and Friday, but Wednesday, absolutely fantastic. So um, I'll pass over to you to, to recap what's been going on there. Thanks, Michael. I'm here live in Weatherfield where Courtney and Ardy have just been caught out. What? Let me tell you how tell they me, got Gemma. there. Tell me, Gemma. Tell me. Just the way you always say, pass over to me. I'm just sitting here. You don't need to pass any. You How should pass I pass any. stories? I don't know. Over you don't you. need to introduce me either. You're not the MC this of the This is Gemma. Podcast. She's my wife. I've well, known her for over twenty years now, and apparently she likes Coronation Street occasionally. Gemma. Nobody can prove that. What happened in the Allahan storyline <laughs> this week? <sighs> well, so I'll tell you what, some chickens came home to roost, didn't they? <laughs> yes. On Monday, Darren and Dev are reminding us, everybody at home, that they've got a business deal and, they're, and they're, it's all going to happen. And if you've forgotten the specifics, don't worry about it because everyone else... It's all off by the end up. of the week. Um, what is that? Um, package pickups at uh, convenience stores, yeah. I don't... Uh, I want to I, I wanna kind of... <laughs> um, Put that business idea up against Nipper Snapper and just like make them fight somehow. <laughs> if we battle it out for the battle of the best business ideas den for business ideas on Coronation Street, I think I would love actually love that. That would be a really <laughs> hilarious um, April Fool's Day joke to just have over the years. All the Alia comes in with her embroidery machine, yeah, and uh, and coloured sports bras, which I'll never let them live down. <laughs> anyway. Packages in in shop. What a brilliant idea! Let's have a, a celebration meal. Why don't you bring Ardy and Courtney? And Amy comes into the shop, and Dev says, "Hey, you come too, because I don't want Ardy to be a third wheel." And she says she's busy and makes a hasty exit because she knows about the affair between Ardy and Courtney. She does, and she doesn't want to go to a meal with those two there. Um, I found her inclusion in this week's story. Kind of interesting because I think in many ways the story would have worked pretty much without her. Yeah, this is obviously... It felt to me like Amy fancies Ardy. Yeah, well, she they, they, they kind of almost had something a few yeah. weeks ago, didn't so, they? And then Courtney came along and flashed her, um, well, all sorts. Her brilliant smile. Yes. So... Ardy finds out about this meal idea and he's not really excited, excited about it. And neither's Amy, but Dev tries to convince her by telling her <laughs> that, D- that Darren's loaded and he likes to do charity donations and maybe he could give some money to the shoulder volunteers so she should come and talk to him about it. Can you imagine how miserable it would be to be at a meal with and then some, like girl starts talking to you about giving money to a child? Oh. must be hard being rich. Everyone trying to get... I'm glad I'm not. I just I still find the shelter volunteer's name hilarious. Yeah. Got at, a lot, I'm getting a lot of mileage, that one. <laughs> at the shop later, Courtney and Ardy are trying to figure out how to get out of this, and they agree to just go. 
Just go with it. Because they don't think they've got that many brain cells between them, <laughs> even though we're supposed to think they're both brilliant business minds. I if don't I even think I had to get out of a meal. I don't know who we're supposed to think is cleverer because uh, Courtney's got all her degrees and She's qualifications an and, and everything. And Ardy's being, we're being told that Ardy is this business genius. Oh, he but he came up with ideas for, for the, something that already exists. He's. He's just um, looking, to, to, to me, the whole of this story, he's just like hanging on by the skin of his teeth. He doesn't know what he's doing. No. He's coming across as supremely naive yeah, in all blundering. aspects of this. Michael, this is the steamy, sexy summer love story he's that been we've taken all been advantage of. gagging for that all year. And finally we get to <laughs> unleash our hormones by watching Ardy and Courtney gyrate on the sofa. <laughs> Amy gets Ardy on his own in the shop and says, "Look, I've been convinced to play along. I'm going to pretend to be your date at this at this meet at this dinner. I'm dead against your affair. Why can't you be with someone who actually likes you?" And um, Dev hint, comes hint in me. when uh, before Ardy, the the business genius, can figure out she's talking about herself really liking him. But again, what's the appeal there? Between, if I was Amy, nothing would put me off Ardy faster than seeing him lusting after Courtney. She she knows that he's um, what he's really like. He is sweet. He's a very honourable gent, I think. Mm. He helped her out with... Um, the, in the whole Aaron story with the old um, right yeah, on his well, forehead maybe. and everything, he was there for her there. Made and I think he... she's just seeing he's been t- his head's been turned by a bright, pretty face. He she knows that he's not the brightest bulb, but she doesn't necessarily need that. She's he's got enough brilliant. brains for the both of them. On Wednesday, he's got a good heart, which is what she needs after this horrible ordeal that she's been through. And you know, seeing what other the other kind of guys that go to a weather high are like. Um, He's a rare, he's a rare one, is Ardy. Going to Webby High. She's not anymore. What? She, has she start? No, she, did she start university? She got kicked out. Oh she yeah. Had to she got to restart it. Yeah, what's happening? She could have to do that soon. She shouldn't be fanning about with Ardy. She should be getting ready to start restart her her learning mm. in it in it about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uni starts around about now. Get your bloody backpack together, Amy, and stop fraternising with Ardy. On Wednesday, Dev's really nervous about this dinner and he mentions Amy's going to be Ardy's date. Um, and he, Ardy's like, no, 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 I don't need a date. I'm actually seeing someone already. And Dev's like, no, you're not. And he's like, yeah, her name's Monica. And and the family, we're only going to see see her when I'm not embarrassed to show her or off to you because you're all a bunch of useless twonks, basically. Amy and Ardy have a conversation before the lunch and she wants to know what is it, what are her intentions with Courtney? Like, it's like she's a dad interviewing a first date or something at the Well, door. she just can't believe She's like, it's what? all going to come out and you're, and you're really playing with fire because your dad's investing in this business and Ardy's looking a bit worried. And then in come, in come everybody for the lunch. So Deb, Darren and Courtney... And, Things um, are definitely quite tense between Darren and Courtney right from the beginning of the meal, aren't they? Well, she doesn't. She didn't want to come. I don't know what she thinks she's got to do that's any better than this. Darren is pleased with how helpful Ardy's been, and and Dev then makes a mistake because he is being overly chivalrous towards Courtney and completely ignoring Bernie, who's that was, also been that invited. Was, I, I enjoyed that. De- Dev on Wednesday was brilliant. Devin it up. He was so he, 
definitely gets up. He sort of tucks Courtney's um, Courtney's chair, chair in, and, and then, drink and then and gives stuff. her a drink. And then when Bernie's like, "Where's my drink?" He's like, "Here's some water to her," and, and she's got her nose put right out of joint. Well, she seemed to be kind. Of, at the beginning, I think Bernie seemed to be finding it quite amusing because she knows that Courtney's not going to be interested in him, or so she thought at that point. I think she just found it funny thought- that he was. You know, chasing around after this pretty no, woman I that he doesn't Dev stand was the just chance. Doing with. it to sort of be, um, to sort of show off to Darren, like you know. Yeah, um, he was. Treat, so I, I don't. I don't think Bernie was actually worried well, at the beginning. Bernie I thought she just, just found it well, amusing. No, I think Bernie was thinking like I would think. Excuse me. I'm, I'm not also sure. Here, I'm also here. She a bit, a bit. But I think she just found I, it more amusing. Sorry, but I've, I've had this feeling going out with dinners with you before and other people. I am here as well. Thanks for my water. <laughs> anyway, Dev brings up Artie's new f- mysterious flame. What's her name? Monica. Monica. And Amy and Bernie are listening with interest. And Courtney's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't do a Liverpudlian accent, so I'm just going to do pretend she's Cockney. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? T- tell us all about her then. And he's like, oh, she's gorgeous, she's wonderful, she's so intelligent. And um, Courtney disappears off and texts Ardy to follow her. He follows her to the door and she starts snogging his face off in the vestibule. Disgusting. And, oh my goodness, Dev walks in on them. Of course he does. Well, I mean, they weren't being very discreet, were they? Can't like Courtney's well, just so time. thirsty for any kind of compliments, and yeah. she's like, "Oh, you're quite pretty," and she's like, "Well, she's not been um, trying to hide their relationship. It was bound to come out. She's been being very upfront about it, and and well, she she enjoys the like, danger, she, doesn't she? she and if you're going to do that, one day, you're going to get she's caught. She's so fed up with her relationship, but she's dragging Ardy in. Do you think that she does? Do you think that she wanted to get found out, or was it just like, I, I don't mind if I do? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> I, I don't know what, what thoughts she keeps in her head. She's, she's clearly not happy being with Darren, but... On the other hand, she's she knows that she's... more than happy to take his cash, though. Yeah, but I, I suppose at, at this point, she thought that she was going to, you know, if things did go sour between them, that she would be entitled to all his money, well, unbeknownst to her. When she did sign a, she did sign she a prenup, a I assume. I thought she was a business genius, and she signed a document that says, if you if you go slagging it up, then you don't get any cash. She didn't, she didn't think about this at any point at all. Maybe she didn't sign it. Maybe Stephen Reid did his old forgery trick. Maybe he's a mate of Darren's. Maybe. <laughs> you know, if you marry for money, yeah, you anyway. end up paying for it. That's true. Mm. Um, Dev ends up, um, yeah, walking in, doesn't he? Well, he, he's like, oh my goodness. And Dakota's like, calm down, calm down. Go back to the table. And Dev's like, you are playing with fire, Ardy. Yeah, I've staked everything on this for you and your sister's future. Get back to the table and behave yourself. I love... Uh, yeah, I, just, I think that Jimmy and, and Adam have got a brilliant father-son relationship it's very very believable that they have a joke together it's clear when when Ardy is embarrassed with Dev I really feel it but when Dev is telling him off he's again like we said before about him can be very very terrifying he's like you do you go back I I think that they're brilliant together I love that scene yeah and and Dev was really flopping between the comedy and the the terror the drama this was this was a very good part of Wednesday's episode which yeah. was a good episode on the whole I thought so back at back at the table Bernie's cornering Dev and she's asking he's asking 
him why did he go after Courtney and why can't you take um your eyes off her and she's saying to him like don't show me up here don't make me look stupid because obviously if you're Bernie and your b boyfriend's lusting after somebody who's half your age you are going to feel a bit of your nose going to get put out of joint right yeah so even things, if nothing's going to come from it the fact that your boyfriend is well showing yeah showing you up yeah so things are very tense between Darren and Courtney in this meal and then Darren says right I'm just going to come out with it now everyone just so you know Courtney's been having an affair with somebody and it's been going on for ages and I bet she's texting him now because she keeps going on her phone and he keeps telling her to put her phone down. And he says, if I lay my hands on whoever it is, I'm going to do something terrible. And Courtney says, yeah, I am. I am having an affair. So what? He's kind, he's lovely, he's got great hair and he's <laughs> hiding in plain sight. And then she storms off and Darren's just left kind of baffled and but then he sort of rallies and says well better out than in and he does a toast and um he starts thinking during this meal Darren and Bernie's um little head clocks are ticking away and uh, <laughs> then D Darren decides that it probably is Dev because he's got great hair yes he has and he's kind and lovely and he yeah we, we had the actor who plays Darren um yeah. replying to one of our tweets yeah, this week what did he say like I used to think I had good hair <laughs> So um, Darren launches himself at Dev and Ardy's like, no, it was me. Oh, dear. Um, Darren says, well, I hope she's worth it, big boy. You're going to be spending the rest of your life stacking shells for your dad and storms off. Dev is rightfully cross. He rips into Ardy at, back at home. He tries to convince him that he's in love with Courtney. Then Courtney comes to the door saying, oh, Darren's kicked me out. <laughs> um... And Dev says to her, we're well, not staying in here. And Ardy says, well, if she's going, I am. And Dev storms out. And it seems that she gets her way because she stays over on a Friday. She's still there in her dressing mm -hmm. gown. Asha's Asha's not impressed with this. And Dev is fuming in the morning on Friday. And he hasn't been able to get in touch with, with Darren. So they storm off. And then Courtney emerges from, from the bedroom, comes downstairs. And Ardy's like falling over her and making her breakfast and uh, drinks and things and she's stretching herself out looking like the cat who's got the cream in the shop later um i think amy tells dev that she knew about the affair mm. and Ardy walks in kind of sheepishly and dev says look i know you're probably overreacted but you need to listen to me you should not be throwing your future away for a bit of fun with <coughs> with a woman <coughs> he does acknowledge that he has also been a bit of a player in the past. It, it's different, isn't it? Because Dev, back when he first came into the show, he was he'd already he was a ladies' man. Yeah, he was. He'd already. Well, we know that he's had the the backstory. If you haven't watched Coronation Street for for a long, you know, for years, you probably don't know Dev's backstory as being a Lothario, and he had a string of women working in his chain of corner shops, all of whom he had kids with. And one of them is no longer in the show, but Amber was one of his other daughters from a different, mm. um, different girlfriend. Girl. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Ardy and Asher were sort of the chosen family. Yeah, I I wonder whether uh, like Dev was ever a bit useless like Ardy when he first got into the the dating game, or was well, he... before he discovered waistcoats. <laughs>
So, is he just like ashamed of Ardu that he hasn't picked up his natural schmoozing charms? Because he was well, he's got he was a, a proper charmer, wasn't There's... he, at the beginning of the day? The, the woman's got him. I think that's the difference. Ardu didn't go out to pick up this woman. He was preyed upon. Ardu wow. is no ladies' man, not in the slightest. Well, you've got, you've got to learn somehow, haven't you? <laughs> Courtney and Ardu are having lunch in the bistro, and she's like, oh, can you buy this lunch for me because I don't have any money? Well, why are we in the bistro? Why are you drinking wine? For the second day in we the We can row. have ravioli and tin back home and a can of cider if you haven't got any money. <laughs> um, and she, yeah, she tells him that Darren's cut her off and he's starting divorce proceedings. And she phones Darren up and she's having a go at him saying, I'm going to take all your money. And he says, no, you're not. Check your prenup. I don't owe you anything. And she's suddenly, oh no, I didn't think this through. <laughs> I wish there was a section about divorcing your rich husband slash business partner in my MBA. <laughs> so she's, yeah, she's a bit flummoxed. And she she's also pointing out to him that she hasn't had a job because he didn't let her work. Um, doesn't have her own money. So she's just kind of adrift. And Ardy's urging her to sort of talk to the solicitor, her solicitor and get it sort of worked out. Um, then we get to see Darren coming to the shop later while Deb's in there. And he says, listen, mate, I saw, I know you didn't know about the affair, I believe you, but the deal's off. I'm, I can't work with somebody whose son is shucked up with my wife. And then he walks out and Dev's like, oh, no. Dev seems to get the impression from this conversation that if he can split Ardy and Courtney up, then he'll hit the deals back on. Mm. But I don't think that's going to happen. Is that where you reckon the story might go now? Dev's futile attempts to uh, break up love's young dream. I don't know. Dream. What are we supposed to think of Courtney and do we think that she's supposed to be a regular character? No, I don't think so. I think we're still supposed to be mightily suspicious of her. Well, she's a... I'm sorry, this is a really sexist thing to say, but she's clearly a gold digger, isn't she? She thought she could marry this man for his money and she's been quite upfront about the fact that she's only with him because he's rich. Right, yeah, yeah. and she doesn't. She doesn't like him. She doesn't get on with him. He's been having affairs behind her back, so she decided to get back back at him by having an affair behind his back. Um, she's quite happy to divorce him. She's not sad in the slightest. She doesn't cry or miss him or say anything sentimental. She wants half of all of his money, and and then she forgets she signed a prenup. I don't know what she thinks. She, I don't. I don't understand what's gone through, through her head. I do. Get I'm trying it. to be really polite and feminist about this, but she honestly is a nightmare of a character, <laughs> like for feminists, isn't she? She's just like mm. the stereotypical fictional gold digging like. And she's bag. she's only with Ardy because well originally because she was fed up. Well, she with keeps not getting saying, any action from her she husband who's always at work, indicating that Ardy is is special and kind. Yeah, she she does have some affection for him. But the thing him. is about it is that he's... She only thinks that because he says nice things about her. That's not how, what love mm. is, is it? No. And and with Ardy, he love, he falls in love very quickly. If you remember last yeah. year with Kelly... He was trying to marry Kelly last year. Yeah, within weeks of starting <laughs> dating her. So he's but he's back in another situation. His literal only experience of having a girlfriend is Kelly. So he, I wouldn't be surprised if he pops the question to Courtney. She's um, a man, honestly. Yeah, Courtney. By, is by the time the month's out, sort of a, a man eater. She she's got she's very shallow. I'm not impressed with her as a character. I'm finding it difficult. I don't like the storyline from the beginning because I thought it, she was predatory. There's been no sort of analysis of that aspect of it whatsoever. 
But do you think that if if the if the if the genders were reversed, the sexes were reversed, then this would be oh yeah absolutely. Grim. Deb's not going to allow um, Courtney to stay yeah, under yeah. live with number in number seven. So he, he's probably going to ship her off to the precinct or something because that's where all the cool kids hang out at the moment. And and then the only way and maybe and Ardy if if. Uh, Ardy said, when was it, Wednesday's episode? If she goes, then I'm going with her. So I guess Ardy might end up wanting to move out. But I wonder whether he's going to be half as attractive to Courtney if you know, he doesn't have the... the, the, the it's not, it's not, I suppose it's not like that Deb is cutting him off. She's still He's still part of the Allahan Empire, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't know whether the appeal will still be there. And it was almost like, what what did she love more, Ardy or the excitement of having a secret affair? Yeah. And now it's all out in the open. Um, it's maybe not going to be quite so appealing anymore. I mean, I feel like the only way to redeem Courtney now is to have her stand on her own two feet and say, it's time for me to stop. Um like using my looks to try to get by in life yeah it, it just doesn't use my brain doesn't because... feel to me like there's gonna be redemption for courtney in the end ardy's gonna get his heart broken and she's gonna be like well it was it was good when it lasted and she'll will she go back to darren maybe you know darren's darren's um that this the scene when when it came out that she had been having an affair with somebody. I can't remember if it was before or after it was revealed it was Ardy. That Darren did look kind of devastated. He And he was very, very embarrassed by the whole thing, isn't he? Who? Darren. Right. Mega embarrassed that his wife has been, you know, he's suspected her of having an affair, he's but the fact that it was her. with Ardy behind his back all yeah. this time. But I think he probably would take her back because I don't think he necessarily loves her that much he likes having a bit of a dolly bird on his he arm so she comes crawling back to him the same way he views his car you know she's good looking on his arm she's a possession that boosts his reputation makes him look good mm. that's that's the only reason that she he's with her and, and there was kind of a bit of depth to her character originally when she says that she was his protege and she had a brilliant business mind and he selected her because of that and then she he seduced her and forced her to marry him and now he ignores her and it's kind of I feel incredibly unsympathetic I'm yeah. afraid and, and the fact that Amy is still hanging around this story just kind of leads me to think well the end game here is that Ardy and Amy will get together at the end now whether that's going to be in a matter of weeks or months or is it going to be a nice little Christmas bunk up for Ardy and Amy know. I don't know but I, well, yeah, I certainly don't see a rosy future for Courtney and Ardy Courtney, she's just using him she does feel like she's she's using him to boost her ego because she she thinks that Darren only values her for her looks, which Kel surprise. Um, yeah. If that's how you caught him, then you can't be yeah. surprised by that. But she also, she, you know, Ardy's telling her all the time, oh, you're so smart, you're so wonderful. And, and yeah, she's just using it for an ego boost. Yeah. But what, you know, she wants to redeem herself, move into a, um, a precinct flat, get a job at Rutland's, invent a new sort of pasty with your business MBA, and make fortunes, uh, turning Rutland's into a <laughs> chain of nationwide bakeries that rival Greg's. Yeah, the other, then the, I'll be impressed. The other bit of this that's kind of interesting to me is the the Dev and Ardy dynamic because 
Ardy is kind of saying to Dev, well, you you got to support me. You're, are you choosing Darren over me? Because da- Dev was like, say, oh, you know, you've ruined the business. I'm gonna, I need to go make it up with him. And he, he Dev did seem to be more invested in or more interested in patching things up with Darren than Ardy's feelings during this. And that's all going to play into this lingering sense of um, favouritism that that Ardy thinks Dev has for Alia, not Alia, um, what's her name, Asha, and, and not him. He's going to feel, he's feeling rejected again for the second time in as many years. I Dev is choosing story, someone else over him. Honestly, don't think they're going to go that route with this. I don't know. I think they might, especially if, if Courtney moves out or when she moves out, because she doesn't say she's not saying, it wouldn't surprise me if Ardy says, well, yet again, you know, you, you've picked someone else over me. I don't need you anymore, Dad. I'm off. And I, and I think that the fact that they've built up this um, this tension between them over the years, here and there, I think it's just hopefully pay off in this story. What What is missing a little bit is Asha. Um Throughout the whole of this, she's been fairly <laughs> absent, hasn't she? She was there at breakfast um, in today's episode, making a couple Just of... painfully uh, shoving bread in her face. Yeah, making a few snide remarks. But I think that that Asha and Ardy and, and Tanisha and Adam really gel very well together on screen. And it would, I'd be interested in hearing more about what Asha has to think or just just having a situation uh, uh, some store some scenes sorry where Asha and Ardy are having a kind of brotherly sisterly heart to heart kind of argument niggle off you, you know what I mean it, it feels like she was only there in today's episode because she kind of had to be and and I wish that they thought ex- a little bit more how they could integrate her can you explain what you mean by niggle off please just so that people don't get the wrong I don't even know what I mean by niggle off it's just a word that you know they're, they're having a bit of a uh, irritating each other, airing, airing their brotherly sisterly spat against one another. Yeah, that that's what this that's what this needs, and it feels like this character who should play a bigger part doesn't actually have one. Do you do you feel sorry for Darren in any way here? Do, does he deserve this? Has he mistreated Courtney well, this bad that he deserves to be publicly humiliated? We've only seen Courtney's sort of account of their relationship he doesn't treat her particularly well she does seem like an accessory but then she's also been given everything she wants he sort of treats her like a pet really like if you want this you can have it Mm. here's your spa day here's your car here's your boy to drive you around I still don't understand why she needs a driver unless she's like an alcoholic from morning to night (laughs) Um, okay, well, that, that that got a bit more chat. It certainly got a lot more conversation out of it than the Stu story, but I think we've uh, we've exhausted it. Now, I just but... really dislike Courtney's character for how she... just I, I don't no, it doesn't feel like there's any depth to her, and it oh, we're being told there is, but it doesn't feel like there is, and she's just looks just to look at her so utterly shallow and superficial, like I can't you said. Say that. No, you said not, it yourself, aren't you? I know, but they, you're not supposed to judge people by the way they look. They've but... made Stephanie, Dave, Stephanie Davis, isn't it, that plays it? They've made her look absolutely perfect for this storyline. Caked in makeup, fake eyelashes, hair scraped back. They've done a really good job of making her a, a proper know. Dolly Bird. This is, I guess this is one of the reasons I don't like this storyline. is because it's forcing me to judge somebody by the way that they look. Because there's nothing really else to say about Courtney. She's she's completely playing up to the stereotype 
of the way that she looks, mm. which is un- it's kind of unfortunate. And they can sort of write in as many lines as they like about her saying, I've got an MBA in business. Yeah. But I just don't... I mean, she's not using that on Ardy on the sofa, <laughs> is she? Um, well, I'm sure Ardy I find Ardy it very will... uncomfortable. Ardy will see through her one of these days. Um, right, the shell shock. So the Paul stuff, let's move on to that. I, I still am kind of pretty in shock with how today's episode ended. I'd, I'd got no idea whether it was revealed in advance that Shelley would be popping her clogs in today's episode. But if not, fair play to Coronation Street. She was clearly, you know, they, they certainly telegraphed it, didn't they, with all those, the, the coughing that she's been doing over the I last know. few days. But I it's just, tiny I, I wasn't ready, <laughs> I wasn't ready to say goodbye to her. I love her so much, when I was When I said on Wednesday, on the it's street talk show, oh, I bet that she's going to die during the wedding. I was like, I know, but that's too, soon she looks you know she doesn't she doesn't look healthy but it didn't look like she was she was on her last legs so that completely blindsided me and And also oh i'm really looking forward to seeing what happens here now it wasn't just that it was the fact that she was in the middle of a storyline yeah good job cory yeah yeah you're absolutely right because what they're left with let's let's yeah let's (laughs) let's run through it and then we'll, we'll see what we think so wednesday's episode we didn't have any of this on monday and paul heading off to shelley's after getting a letter about having a palliative nurse um look after him he's he's still somewhat in denial about the um you know about what's going to be coming to him fairly soon he knows that you know he hasn't. He, we do. He doesn't know how long he's got left, but he doesn't want to give up on his freedom and independence quite yet. But so anyway, he, he heads off to Shelley's house, um, and they they have a lovely scene together. This, this is why I, one of the reasons I'm so gutted about Shelley's death. Some of the she's she's just been funny. I her her sense of humour, her her dry, cynical, wry, um, gallows humour about herself has been consistently brilliant all the way through and it has lent a sense of um maybe joy's not the right word just just the right level of humor to a really tragic story because i don't we, you know we don't like the, the the miserable death stories maybe this is just what Sinead's story needed for you Gemma. a few more hearty laughs yeah i it, i just really appreciated the balance that they've had with this and and the fact that Paul's laughing along as well. They're always, it's always like they're having a yeah, stand-up comedian off, isn't it? She, Shelley's clearly the master at this, but Paul starts joining it. He, like, he says, oh, I won't get a 2024 calendar, you know? <laughs> he, she's teaching him it's okay to... Cope. To, to, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good coping method. And, he, and, and what she's able to offer him... Billy isn't because all Billy's doing is being really practical and saying, "Oh, you need to get that wheelchair. We need to get you a nurse. We need to get you a stair lift. I'm just gonna kind of wring my hands and say, "Oh, this is so tragic." And and Shelley is like a a little island of where where Paul can not forget about it, but just have a laugh, which he just can't with Billy in a different way. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Billy or Summer have a sense of (laughs) humour. Do you? I don't don't think they do. I don't think so. Living with them too. Yeah, although when um, when Summer dressed up as a piece of Battenberg cake for today's episode, maybe that was her attempt. (laughs) Um, So anyway, she's she's talking about um, Mario, her palliative nurse, who's apparently ace, um, and she says, look. Paul, nobody knows how long they've got left. So true, so true. Um, Why not make the best of it? 
get somebody to help you, get a wheelchair, it is going to give you a bit of independence and freedom while you still got it. Go on, it's going to yeah. be fine. So, um, oh yeah, then, they, then we have a scene where they're planning her funeral music later, they're having a laugh about that. Um, and and then there's the scene about, um, what was it? She, she, um, did she, she, she makes a joke about him being on the turn, doesn't he? Like, that she's making out that he fancies her. And he's like, oh, sad off. Oh, no, yeah, I don't. that's right, yeah. It was just so, it was so lovely. So that's the last time we see her? That's the last, that's the last thing we do. When? That's the last thing we see. She kind of like makes a joke and says, oh, you fancy me, don't you, Paul? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And then what's-his-face turns up, a PA turns up. Paul hobbles out, and then the last shot, I think, ever that we get to see of Shelley is her it's just looking like a little little miserable. She's She's been putting on a front for him. Yeah. Hasn't she? Yes, it's for herself. She's coping with her situation by laughing about it, but she's showing him. She's, she's doing it for him. She's feeling absolutely rotten. I don't know whether she knows, you know, well, why would you know that you've literally got hours, days left. But the fact that despite this, just how bad she's feeling, she's thinking of Paul. She's almost putting Paul's happiness above herself, her own maybe. It just shows what strength of character she is and why I I absolutely oh, adore her. And <laughs> I wasn't ready for her to go. No, I didn't want to say <laughs> um, So anyway, there's at the end of the episode, Paul gets home and, and Billy's there with his new wheelchair. It, it's just, yeah... The, Going from one thing, which is having a laugh about their horrible situation, their impending doom, and kind of forgetting about how you know, tragic it is, to going home and being confronted with Billy there as a wheelchair, it's like... With a wheelchair. Yeah, what did I say? You said, as a wheelchair. As a wheelchair. Come and sit on my lap, Paul. Tell me what <laughs> you want for Christmas. You around. <laughs> um, it's the, 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 the contrast is so stark. And the, but, but Paul... You know, he needs to accept that the wheelchair is his future. I think that Billy's right. He just he's just a fun sponge, isn't he? Really. What? Which one? Billy. Billy, Billy is. He's like anyway, anyway. Come and come and have a sit in this. Um, well, let he, anyone... and he's like, oh, I wish it was me that wasn't you. And yeah. What are you gonna next, say next? Okay, so um, Friday. Also, can I can I say as well? Still, and and every time this story comes back from its little hiatus, whether it's a week and a half or three weeks or whatever, Paul's deteriorating condition. Peter Ash is doing brilliantly, isn't he? I'm glad that he's wow decided by the end of the week to go into a wheelchair because I'm getting worried about his. The, the actors physical Peter's posture well the thing is I've heard of actors pushing themselves and, and doing stuff and stunts and I know that, that Coronation Street's probably got a really good health and safety you know trying to help make sure this doesn't happen but it's probably really tempting to really push yourself because um, you're doing it for people who have MND and you're trying to portray this in a realistic way mm. and if you're probably you know thinking to yourself well you know I can straighten up and walk you know mm. after this who am I to complain about a small amount of discomfort but you can actually really hurt yourself mm. I mean P- Peter has clearly he's done gonna get to have a sit. he's clearly done the research I mean I wonder like has he got somebody training him no you need to walk like this no know. that's not how you should live I, mean, I don't I don't know I've never met anyone with MND but I'm complete I completely believe that you know sometimes when actors 
put on a limp or something, you can tell. I'm reminded of um, a scene when, when Leanne was pregnant with Ollie and she was kind of waddling down the street. I, I, I didn't, I don't know, I thought it was good enough for me, but people were saying that's not how pregnant people walk. We changed it, no. But um, this, this is so believable. I'm, I, I didn't think I'd be so impressed and I was worried at the start of this story that maybe Peter wouldn't be up to it. I'm, I don't know why, but um, he's been absolutely superb. Yes, he's going to be in his wheelchair a lot more now, so we won't have to do quite so much as that, but there's still the the rest of his physical deterioration we're going to see. He's going to become... He's not going to be able to move any part of his body, is he? His arms, anything. So I still think that there's some more brilliant, brilliant physical acting to come for him. I... I I'm, I'm, I'm dead impressed. I can't sing his praises any more for the, for, than I'm already doing for this. Anyway, what? I was just going to say, with you saying about, about Leanne, oh, she's not walking properly, people say that about women all the time, about especially celebrities. Oh, she's not pregnant, it's a fake belly. Oh, it's bent when she leaned down. Oh, it creased in the wrong way. She's not <laughs> holding it right. She's 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 crouching and she wouldn't be able to walk in those heels, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that we also uh, share that for fictional characters too because they wouldn't want them to miss out on the misogyny. Well, well, quite. Um, just before we move on, I, I don't even know where we are. I, this well, this is reminding this is reminding me of um, Mark Charnock's performance in Emmerdale when Marlon had his stroke that we saw and, and that, you know, that went straight from, I guess, normal Marlon to I've had a stroke and can barely move from you know from what little clips that we saw whereas we're and and that and then he worked his way out of it and we're kind of seeing the reverse here with Paul aren't we his gradual decline and I'm wondering whether we're gonna get a you know a, a Marlon rivaling performance from Peter Ash well, in his you know final final days on the show doing I don't an know. excellent job so so as good as I can tell anyway anyway um so Friday's episode, um, Paul is, is very wobbly and is leaving, as he's leaving the flat in the morning. He's still refusing to use a wheelchair. I think, didn't Wednesday's episode end with them agreeing they would put it under a blanket or something or a bit of tarpaulin to try and, and you know, out of sight, out of mind? But he's, he's clearly going to need that imminently from the way he's walking on Friday's episode. Um, we have a little scene. Nothing really happened with this in the end, did it? Bernie over here's... Daniel and Daisy talking about wanting to get a tablet for, for Bertie and she's like, oh, I can get you one of those. But I guess it was just to remind well, us that she's... that's going to surely come up. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll, that'll come up next week, I guess, when the whole, um, when her stash of, of uh, illegal, illegal goods. goods gets uncovered. Um, so Billy and Paul also notice that Todd's new laptop is the same as the one they got from Summer. And they're kind of somewhat suspicious to hear that he got it from Big Garth and Bernie's looking very shifty in the background so uh, Paul goes around to see Bernie later on at number five She and discovers her with this massive load of dodgy looking boxes so he takes a look and sees that they've got Shelley's name on them and he quickly twigs what she's been up to and she's like look son and I feel so bad for Bernie during this she's like trying to get his permission to be you know, involved in this dodgy scheme, isn't she? Even though she's risking something massively here, she could end up going to prison. But she's saying, oh, I've, I've, like she, she brings out the tin of money, doesn't she, that she's got already. And she's I'm doing this for you, and I know it's bad. And, and he's got a real 
tough decision to make here, like whether to say, no, mum, you got to stop it, or, yeah, I do need the money. But I thought that that scene was very nicely done. Um, and she's like, Paul, it's, it's just turn a blind eye, son. It's going to be better all round. Um, back at home... Well, he oh. points out, doesn't he? Because I've forgotten that this happened because it feels like it was so long ago in the storyline, but it wasn't. What? When Paul first got his diagnosis, he was stealing cars to make money. Yeah. And, and now, that really wasn't that long ago, was it? What, and now three, his mum is months? sort of dealing in stolen goods, kind of? I don't mm. really know. But I'm st- but, and that reminds me, I'm still wondering... Is one of Paul's final acts going to be, you know, a key piece in Stephen's comeuppance? Because he was around when Rufus was murdered, wasn't he? He was stealing Rufus's car. And it uh... does make me wonder, you know, are they going to have to, you know, uh, will, will Paul be interviewed? Will they be able to interview him, depending on, you know, the state of his health? I, I really don't know. Well, I mean, they what, they didn't make any allowances for poor old Laura when she had stomach cancer they and did, was they dying. Did not. And they, they did not. Well arrested remembered. her. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, Paul's kind of left us in a bit of a quandary and he goes back to, to the flat and tells Billy what's been going on and Billy's like, well, thank, thanks for letting me know. So he's all, he doesn't quite, you know, put in an order for his, a laptop of his own, but he is fairly cool with it and says, look, I can't tell your mum what she should or shouldn't be doing. I don't agree with it, but let's just leave it there. He also does say, we could use the money, actually, couldn't he? Well, he says... <laughs> he I probably checked... has a bit of a prey about that one later. I checked in the Bible and I can't find anything about ordering stuff off a catalogue with a dead woman's credit card and then not going to pay it yeah, back. Yeah, so I'm going to assume it's probably okay. I mean, what would Jesus do? Yeah. <laughs> he probably would say, nice, nice. <laughs> Um, anyway, you all get you get a free laptop, don't you? That's what he'd say. Everyone gets a free laptop. <laughs> um, anyway, um, Paul says he's going to go and she, see Shelley this afternoon because he's found out that she really is into gospel music. Apparently, Maybe she's just winding him up. That's not exactly. That's exactly the sort of thing that Shelley would do. <laughs> really I can imagine him going there to the flat. <laughs> yeah, he spends pressing. all this money on this yeah. this rare violin, and she goes, "You bloody." Twonk, I don't know what the uh, hell is this? Oh, I'm a, I'm a Swifty. <laughs> um, anyway, he, he's, yeah, he wants to thank her for all the help that she's given him over the year, years, weeks. So he's going to he's gonna buy her, apparently, the, the biggest gospel vinyl, which she hasn't already got. I mean, if I was a, mm. if I knew someone was a big fan of a particular piece yeah. of music and they didn't have long left, I'd assume that they would probably want to get it in quick. Or everything they've got. Yeah. That they want already. It's like saying, I heard, Michael, that you're a Nintendo fan, so I've bought you a Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. Um, anyway, so he, he's out in the wild later, location shoot. Yes. <laughs> today's, if, if Gemma ever, you know, even more so than usual, doesn't appear to know what went on in today's Coronation Street, it's How because she was doing a very important job of trying to find the location of Paul's little tumble here. And she did it, didn't you? This was what, a quarter of the way through the episode, he had a fall, and like, Gemma, you've got to find out where it is. And you spent the rest of the next half an hour hunting around on Google Earth trying to find it. And you did. It's a place called Graffiti Palace. And it's just to the um, east of uh, Manchester. Media of City. Of Media City. Yeah, exactly. So or Manchester. Another, we've added it to our map already. And another one to visit That's the next right. time. That's we... right. We added it to our map. I don't... Is it kind of bad taste to recreate the scene when we go yes. and visit it? No, it is. Well, no. people have... You know, when, when we go to Coronation Street, the tour, they always say that people are recreating the scene underneath the builders 
fragile flat where Tina's dead on the floor. I see lots out of on the Kylie floor. dying as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think, I think, you know, well, Shelley would take it all in good fun. I don't Shelley know about think it was Paul. Brilliant. Yeah, she would. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Shelley. Um, right. So um, he, oh. he's he's there. He's out by this graffiti wall. And um, well, he collapses. Yeah, he falls over, and he's looking very, very frustrated by himself, and uh, tries to heave himself up with the stick again. Such a great performance, and I really felt every ounce of strength that he was using to try and get himself back on his feet, but to no avail. I was expecting and then he cries him to get back. mugged. Yeah, I know. Well, his AirPods were just there on the floor, weren't they? Free AirPods. Yeah, and he he's like, oh, he can't, he almost can't bring himself to ask for Billy's help. Because Billy's probably such a downer and would say, well, I told, oh. I told you, Billy. I told you, Paul. If you'd have had your wheelchair, none of this would have happened, mm. you know. So, um, no, he's, he, he just does he knows that if Paul, if Billy comes along, he's going to, you know, he's going to be giving away, he's going to have to be admitting defeat. He does eventually go for the wheelchair, and uh, I thought it was interesting that it was Todd was the one who he hailed well, he to come Todd, and rescue yes. him, and his mate Todd who helps him up, and uh, and then and they go back to back to the car after he's had a wee up against the wall. I don't want to know about the. Did you miss logistics. that while you were looking for the? I know he was doing it. I'm just telling you. Don't tell me the logistics. I'm not <laughs> interested. Is that the scene that we recreate when we go and visit the filming location, weeing up against the wall? Anyway. Illegal, should be illegal. It probably is. They get into the car. Todd's <laughs> like, why don't you contact Billy? Paul says, oh, he just pushing, he'd be pushing his wheelchair agenda. It's typical, isn't it? First it's the gay agenda, now it's the wheelchair agenda. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the Jesus ag- agenda. Probably fairly bottom on Billy's list, it appears at the moment. The Jesus agenda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Paul says, look, these wheelchairs aren't coffins, you know. They are to help you. Don't... Don't, you know, give up on the idea already. It's okay. Don't knock it till you tried it. I feel very sympathetic to Paul. It's okay to be upset. Mm. That's what I like about the storyline. It's sort of showing and validating. Yeah. Uh, And every, you know, not everybody who's in a wheelchair has the same story. No. Um, But this is just a different story. Tell you what we need. We need we need Maud Grimes to come Mm. back on the street. She's not actually dead, everybody. Yeah, and it's it's another, like, if if they don't have Izzy have another scene with Paul now that he's in his wheelchair, they are seriously missing a trick here. She was brilliant in that one scene they did use her for a couple of months ago, saying, you know, it's... I can't even... Did, was, the, was the purpose of that scene just to say, you know, wheelchairs can be helpful? I don't know. But just, I really, really, really hope we get one more Izzy scene, at least with her. With yeah. him, sorry. Anyway, um, so they get back to, um, back to the flat and Todd kind of drops him off there and Billy's very concerned about what's been going on and Paul opens up about what happened and he's like oh I just fell I couldn't get back up again I lay there feeling hopeless and helpless and I broke Shelley's record oh no she's <laughs> never gonna hear it now I think I, I'm okay, sure we weren't dead. the only ones thinking oh what, what record did Shelley have the most sarcastic MND sufferer <laughs> in Weatherfield or the uh, the, the shortest lived character of it I don't know but um, anyway, he's like, I never want to use a wheelchair. He just, he, he's, he feels like it's giving up. But um, he, he does. Next scene, he's, he's being pootled along by Summer up here's, and down the ramp, having a whale of a time in it. Here's a question, right? If he gets drunk in the Rovers and goes home in his wheelchair, can he be arrested for being a drunk driver? And that is a serious question. 
No, I'm going to say Are no. You, why not, though? I don't think you're going to... Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a sort of a... Because I think you can get... You can be... If you're drunk on a bicycle, you, you it counts. You're not allowed. I don't think you're going to hurt anyone in a wheelchair. Oh, really? You must of... be kidding. Oh, yeah. Remember that policeman that <laughs> is yeah. over the Yeah, he nearly off? killed a man of hers. <laughs> Um, anyway, they they basically they he they persuade him to go into the pub, and it was it um, echoed the scene where Ryan built up the courage to go in a few yeah. months ago, didn't it? He's like, I don't think I'm ready. Do for you think that that's yet. why the Rovers are so empty these days? So everyone's battling in the demons, and they don't want to go in. Yeah, everyone's got so much drama going on. I don't know. <laughs> I can't face everyone. Yeah, Jenny's like, no, please come in. Um, so so he goes in there, and it's kind of. It's fine. It's not straight away. Kind of, there are people looking at him. They kind of turn around and look, and and even Daisy's there looking. I could, no, no, actually, no. Daisy kind of welcomes him, doesn't she? Which makes sense considering how close she is to, or she's been to Ryan, and, and knowing what a big deal this must be for Paul because it was for Ryan. But people have a look a bit. But then Daniel comes in and breaks the ice by uh, kind of saying, "Oh, I hope this wheelchair doesn't mean that you're not going to." You know, get up to the bar when it's your round and then just like you can see this huge weight lifting off Paul's um, shoulders and they go and have a lovely drink together for the rest of the evening well, they're all having a good old booze up aren't they everyone's buying rounds and they're yeah. all relaxing and having a chat And, and but he has the lovely chat with Bernie saying kind of giving her permission to carry on these crimp. underhand deals he's like yeah I, I'm going to need that money there's no other way that we could possibly get it so you, you go ahead with it ma'am and then we have a scene with Billy and Paul in back in the flat later, just well, reflecting also, on what a lovely time they had. This is when also Paul says, I, I never got a chance to give this to, to Shelley. I better give it to her. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And this is when he rings her up. And leaves I, 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 he leaves I a really cheery message on her Well, voice. he does at the end, doesn't he? Because we see him phoning her and then they cut to, to Shelley's flat. And I think I said to you... Is she dead? Is she dead already? But not no. actually thinking that they would do it. And then back. you and then you see the paramedics turn up at the flat with her uh, with her carer and saying oh, she hasn't got a pulse. She's on the bed. And the, just the way that they delivered it, like I wondered whether I wondered whether she was just going to be in a really bad state and maybe be taken to hospital and maybe you know die in a few episodes <laughs> time or something. But that one line, she hasn't got a pulse. She that to me dead. was just like ripping my heart out. I was like, no, I'm I not. Know. Oh, she's, I can't believe she's it. Made such a big impression. Such a great impression. What what a thing to do I in such a short brilliant. amount of time. How many episodes has she been in? Ten, if that. And and re- and a really, I uh, don't know how they pulled it off. Really, they've Corey's obviously taken a lot of care with this. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I don't know who that they spoke with, or it must be really hard as a writer who doesn't have MND and perhaps I don't know I don't know everyone's personal situations but I'm assuming everyone on the staff doesn't have MND right I think that's fair fair no but we do know that Dan Brocklebank yeah I know but I'm talking about the writers you know they're writing they're writing jokes and quips for Shelley here it must be quite difficult. Yeah, to you're put right. Those actually, like, is this okay mouth. to say this? Yeah, is that you know, did they get free reign? And you're right, does uh, she did she come up with anything herself? I don't know. Well, she did doesn't have MND from... though, does she? No, I know. So I know that. Yeah. I wonder whether, as part of their work with the MND Society, have they met oh, anyone? Oh, can you imagine a bit like Shelley? Can you imagine them going? Okay, well, I think we've got enough information there about the physical side. So, any good jokes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we don't want to make it too depressing. Because, We're you just know, hoping for some funny one-liners. Got yeah, any, got any good is there an MND joke book? Is there like a Christmas cracker? The thing joke is, book? people, you know, even, you know, when my mum was at the hospice, she was still kind of yeah. having, having a good laugh about some things, about saying, oh, well, you know, going and have a nice spa. And that's, you know, people can... People are all different. People are all entitled to however they want to would find it behave. No, yeah, exactly. There are some people that probably don't don't like it. Yeah, but... I wonder. There are probably some MND sufferers out there who are watching. Well, I would imagine it's probably more the but... family members who mm. might. People are very good at. Yeah, I mean, I, if I if I was in this situation and I felt that I wasn't strong enough to, um, you know, crack the jokes or or make you know be be like Shelley, I'd be thinking, oh, am I? Are they are they saying that I'm rubbish? For, no, well, but, uh, you can't I, speculate. I I would hope that people are like us watching Shelley and kind of finding some kind the of comfort is, in the fact. That... To me, I think that they've done in they've done storylines with with terminal diagnosis before. I didn't watch any of the Sinead stuff. I'm assuming it wasn't a barrel of laughs. No. So I think it's appropriate that they tackle some of these with a bleak black sense of humour. I think even... I think with the Alma story, I mean, that was obviously terrible as well, but I think that Alma might have had a few... You know, there dark were a few jokes. few dark jokes in there, yeah. I mean, Ollie wasn't funny at all. <laughs> no, no. Um, oh, anyway, so what's, what's going to happen now then? Oh, gosh, when Paul finds out, it. I almost don't want to watch the scene where he finds out. I'm actually so sad and it makes me feel... I'm sort of thinking forwards to when Paul died. I don't know what to start. Well, the, Paul's gonna suddenly get a massive reality check, isn't he? Oh, because but he's already it, had so many. He's he really has had enough. The the thing with uh, uh, you know Shelley's has had a bit of a cough this week, but she still you know to me didn't seem well, she was days fine. away from death. She was speaking. She was relatively. She she could move around. And... Yeah, and that's gonna make Paul think. I could, you know, go any I could drop dead at any minute. Maybe it's going to make Horrific. him embrace life even more. I don't know. I would hope that that's kind of the message that we get. He's obviously going to find it gut-wrenchingly, heartbreakingly awful. But I would hope that he might be inspired to, to live his life to the fullest. Because that's what Shelley wanted. She wanted him to not um, wallow. But he's going to be so isolated now too because... Not only is his friend who's the only one that can really understand what he's going through gone, but also nobody else really has the same sense of humour as he does because he's made a few jokes like he did with Shelley, but whenever he does, all of his friends and family kind of give him this like rabbit in the headlights kind of look. Yeah. And it's not the same thing Gemma's to make been a joke. good with him, but... But you can't make your own jokes to somebody no. who's got MND. I don't no, know. No, he's really lost a real lifeline there. Um, but yeah, ho- I, I would I hope that the lesson say. that she taught him is going to help, you know, oh, give him a bit of, of a lightness in, in over the next few weeks and months. But I, I, how do you think he's going to find out? Is it going to be like, is, is Bernie going to go there to, to, to get a to few get more dodgy cash. laptops or something and then find that? I think Shelley's PA is... will phone him up. Do you reckon? I well, mean... they're going to find the, the missed calls, aren't they? Yeah, I guess so. And they'll be like, sorry, mate. She bought it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. gosh, gosh, gosh. Are we going to see her funeral? Maybe. I th- I think it would be really powerful if we did, 
I mean, the, the fact that they were planning the funeral this week, yeah. Paul knows what she wants. But it's going to be so difficult for him. But then you got Todd to help him, and maybe that's why it was good to have Todd being the one to you know, rescue Paul this week, to bring him back into yeah, the storyline. Um, yeah, okay. Okay. Well, we got to go. We got, we, we're going to move on. That, that, that was very well done. I, I wasn't expecting that today. Wow. Um, so... The Cassie storyline. This one, um, I didn't think was, you know, it, it it plodded along fine this week, but um, I think it was more the, the Evelyn and Roy <laughs> stuff that was um, the standout for me. So um, let, let's remind ourselves, because I can't remember much, about what's been going on with old Cass this week. Well... Tyrone and Cassie are... How, how was that me passing over to you? Was that better than the last time? You flicked your hands at me. You don't... Right. Take over. Gladly. Tyrone takes Cassie to takes the girls to the bus stop, and he's clearly not ha- not comfortable leaving Cassie in charge at this point. Um, and she she can kind of tell that she's being kind of given the cold shoulder. Well, not really, but she's not being trusted. Mm. Um, Evelyn, meanwhile, is miserable in the flat. She's got hot water. This was during like the heat wave. We've just come out of the thirty degree plus heat wave that we've been having which I have written complaints about and I think they're doing something about it now um <laughs> so she's she's yeah cold and it was quite funny obviously they can't predict what the weather's gonna be like so they wrote this months in advance but the idea that Evelyn is complaining about how cold she is during one of the hottest days mm. of the year and Roy's telling her it's slightly inclement weather was just so on the nose for both those characters it made me laugh. It mm. felt appropriate, even though they obviously didn't mean it to yeah. to be that way. So, um, so Roy, yeah, Evelyn's complaining about being cold, and she's also complaining about Tyrone taking Cassie in, saying he's a fool, and Roy's saying that she he wants to give his mum another chance, and Cassie says, "Well, you you you're one to talk. You're soft as well. Look at you know you're given a somewhere for Lauren to live." Then she gets a phone call from Fizz. Evelyn does, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah. Evelyn shows up at the garage, up at the garage, to check on Cassie, who's still working there. And um, when Tyrone says that she's doing all right, she's like, mm, I "Don't don't know if I believe this." And I've also been speaking to Fizz, and she obviously doesn't know that Cassie's had a relapse. You you need to tell her. And then they start having an argument, and then Roy Roy's walking the dog. That's why he's there. But it was a bit weird to see Roy in the Let's pop up in the garage. In the garage, and he says, "Everyone, we need to go and discuss this calmly in the cafe." Which I thought was just him talent for business. I'm sure that this he is goes why... to the garage when he needs to get his woody serviced. <laughs> this is what um, Jenny needs to do more of: just roaming the streets, going, "You're having an argument? Have it at the pub." <laughs> no, there's nothing here that alcohol can solve. <laughs> So Cassie and Tyrone versus Evelyn and Roy at the cafe. Roy, Roy's a bit of a fence sitter, but he eventually suggests that Cassie and Evelyn move into the flat together and Evelyn's having none of it. So then he thinks of another thing. Why doesn't Lauren sublet the flat and Evelyn move in with him? So, so confusing. the music, the oh, yeah, of musical I chairs. Earlier that, I said earlier that nobody's living Coronation in the flat. I forgot that Lauren's moved there. Yeah, it really, really is. So she's living in the flat. Evelyn's living with Roy and Tyrone and the girls are just living at number nine. At number nine, like they should have been doing all along. So then we get to see Fizz for the first time in. Yeah, months. that was a nice surprise. She's on the Zoom call. This is the one good thing about this is over the last few years, really, because 
since COVID, video calling has such become the norm, hasn't it? No, it hasn't. Well, no, the it's norm. not. Not no, not the norm, but it's not. You know, beforehand, that people didn't really do it. it, and and now it's something that's much more. Um, they use it when they when they need to. I feel like they could use it more, but. Um, it was good to see Fizz's face and uh, Tyrone just finishes talking to her as Cassie comes in. Mm. It reminded me a bit of um, when um, when Lorna Nadler was away and then they had Ed doing the video calls yeah. with her. So um, Cassie is pleased to hear that she's going to be staying. I don't know what that means. Where, Hope's happy. Where, where, where are you? Wait, staying with him for a bit longer. Yeah. But what? she's not though. She She's moving in. Oh right. no, she's staying with what? No, she's staying with Tyrone. It is really this whole story right, is okay. just various Evelyn, people house swapping. Isn't Evelyn's it? with Cassie Roy. Home, Lauren's the in the flat by in herself. Cassie, Tyrone, and the girls are in number nine. Yes. Yes. Okay. So she, Cassie's like, oh good, I'm glad that I get to stay here, mm. and um, Hope's happy too. And then Evelyn and Roy go back to the cafe later and she's and <laughs> she's going to be living there with Nina too, mm. which I forgot about. And she's like, you know, I'm going to have No, no, a... no. I didn't think that Nina was living there. I Where's she that... living then? I don't know, maybe... No, did Roy ask Nina to go live? I don't know. We did. See, this is the problem. And um, and somebody pointed this out on Twitter. I think it was, it was Chris. But I've been thinking the exact same thing. Where we really desperately need some scenes inside Roy's flat too many scenes at the moment that would fit better in there are all happening in the cafe because clearly the ca- the Roy's flat has been packed up. I mean, it's probably one of the most tricky flats to put together, isn't it? One of the, sorry, one of the most tricky sets to put together because it's so jam-packed full of stuff. But I, it, it's feeling weird to me to have a story about Evelyn moving in with Roy without seeing any of their living arrangements. It's all about hearing them, don't you think? Yes, that is what's going on. They're just saying don't, you can show us. You don't need to Roy's, tell us. Roy's flat is a really iconic location. I, I don't know when the last time we saw it was. Um, uh, there's so much that, so much comedy that could come out of seeing them actually sharing a flat rather Maybe than we'll just see hearing it about week. it. Yeah, go on. I, 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 it just feels like they would have. If they were going to unpack Roy's flat set, we would have seen it right from the start. But I, I can't remember where Nina's living. But Evelyn's in her room, isn't she, with the cure poster? Right. She says to Roy, she's going to be using the lock on the door, and she doesn't want him sleepwalking in his in her room. And um, and Roy gives her a dig to say that Tyrone's a good man, doing his best for his for his mum. Can I give a shout out to the two different ways you've spelt Wednesday completely wrong? No, you your? can't. Wednesday. Wednesday. What's needy? Let's point out my spelling mistakes. <laughs> it, well, I'm it's, typing um, very fast. It's just for a joke. <laughs> I can't spell normally. Tyrone realizes his car's been stolen. Not his car, Michael. A car's been stolen from the garage. Oh, was it? That's it. I'm glad you. And now I wonder whether this this made me think that either Cassie was behind this car being stolen to get money, mm. or she's going to think, hey, if a car gets stolen from the garage. Nothing bad happens because it's insured. So I can just take tell people where the keys are and I can get a cut out of the money. Mm. But anyway, Ty- yeah, Tyrone realises this car's been stolen. So he asks Cassie to look after the kids before school. So she's really proud to accompany them to the bus stop and wish them a good day at school. I don't, I don't think they need accompanying to the bus stop. It's like, what, a 
10-second walk. I think well, they're old enough to make their own way yeah. there by now. Evelyn has had a rude awakening, not literally, but it's the shipping forecast. Roy's been playing it at half past five in the morning, and she's also freaked out by Nina's The Cure poster. And what she say? She cure. said, if that's the cure, I would rather have the disease. Or yeah. was that? No, I think I wrote it down. If that's the cure, I'd rather have the disease. Evelyn had some brilliant lines this week. She, she called had the, Nina yeah, the, the, Count Spatula. Count Spatula. It's like, it's so <laughs> obvious. Why has nobody thought of that before? It was a brilliant line. And then she also had a line where she's like, um, she's somebody's asking her how, it, how things are with Roy. And she's like, oh, I can't complain. I never do. Yes, you do. She's, been, she's had some really great one-liners this week. And that's why I think that I... I, I know Corrie doesn't always like to do this because they prefer the, the drama, but I just love to see some gentle, comedic scenes of the two of them living well, together. When we read, well, I'm going to read this out, okay? It sounds like a load of crap, but it was really interesting. So Evelyn's moaning because she wants to, um, Roy to go to get us some sardines from the cash and carry because it's cheaper. Tyrone calls her a scrounger. And then she buys the wrong potatoes and um, Roy tells her that Maris Piper's are the far superior potato. Which you agree with. This is absolutely true. In this country, Maris Piper, I know that they don't have... I don't think you have them in America and Canada. I think the Yukon Gold is a <laughs> is also a very, very good potato. I can't remember what it was that Roy said, but his way of kind of subtly well, hinting about... to Roy, uh, to, yeah. to Evelyn, sorry, that these aren't actually the best potatoes. Because he's so... Bloody Dry. polite is Roy, isn't he? And well, he kind of skirts the issue. This this is the sort of stuff that used to happen in, you know, in the 60s, where it'd be like the whole episode revolved around Elsie Tanner getting the wrong sort of knitting needles. You're right, that would take like up that. a whole half an hour back in the day. <laughs> and you'd still be like, oh my God, I can't believe what she's going to do. <laughs> so, um, anyway, that was just a nice bit of character building, wasn't it? And the yeah. tension's already building between these two and they've only just been moving in with each other. Tyrone finds Evelyn in the pub later and she's denying falling out with Roy and he's asking her whether she's got um, lingering feelings for him and she glares at him and he sort of runs away. Yeah, if I tell you what, if I was Evelyn, I'd be making my move right now. Yasmin's in Pakistan. Yeah, she was the gooseberry before. Exactly. Get yeah. in there, girl. Get in there. So, well, I mean, the compromise she has with Roy's earplugs... Oh, so that she's not, yeah. So she, why don't you get him to listen forecast. to the shipping forecast with ear, earbuds in? I can't in? remember, they might if have he, If he that. had just been hanging around Paul earlier, he could have just nicked those and had them for free. Yeah, very true. I can't believe that Shelley's dead. We can't get her to order any off the catalogue. <laughs> um, th- so this, yeah, the, the Roy and Evelyn situation, um, th- there wasn't very much Ty and Cassie this week, was it? I, I have very much enjoyed that aspect of I'm it not... before, but this was more about the Roy and Evelyn. Feeling good things about Roy and Evelyn as a couple. I don't just do not see it at all. I don't like it. I can't decide. I don't want it. I know I know you're not alone there. Lots of people are saying no way, steer clear, but But then, you know, I was I was perfectly happy for Kathy and Roy when that was on the table. Yeah. I, so I'm not completely I just adverse really, to... You know, we really love Evelyn and she clearly... She's she's hiding very well that she's got the hots for Roy. I just don't see them bit. at all. I, she, it's not even like they're so... Oh, they're so... Opposites attract. They're so I don't, different. I, I, yeah, I don't think they'd make a good couple. That's no. That's the problem. They wouldn't make a good couple. I don't think it'd be but funny. I she, think... she is very... You know, she's sweet on him. And he's kind of fairly oblivious to all, isn't he? I think she thinks that they could be happy together, but 
they they're not a good match in the slightest. No, it's tragic, oh, tragic. Any so there's, there's I guess there's not much to say about this storyline. Um, so we shall move on there. Um, what, what's all this? I've actually got the wrong storyline. What's all this? Joel Joel Love Denial, Gemma. Joel Love Denial is next. Right. Still not getting if a so. still not getting a right. What does it mean you. again? Joel Love Denial. Oh, Joel. Yeah, I forgot his Joel. name. Joel. Joel. We said last week that he's still, and he's. I'm going to stand by it a little bit. He just does seem quite anonymous to me. He really, really is. This whole this story spanned the whole week of, um, and what actually happened in it. This could be summarising. Dee Dee has a date with Joel by the end of the week. Yeah, and it feels like to me, Dee Dee's gone down a storm with everybody, hasn't she? She won best newcomer. Um, she is very, very popular character. She's she's only, she's only been in it a year. And I kind of feel a bit like, um, what's the word? A possessive dad. Like, what makes you think, Joel, that you've got any right to date RDD? I'm not... You're nowhere near... I thought you said RDD. <laughs> any right to date RDD? Just leave RDD alone. Um... I'm just not necessarily feeling any chemistry between the two of them yet. Not really. No, there's no spark. I mean, they, they get no. on nicely in the scene. But what does she like about him? We, we don't, don't really know. know anything about Joel other than he's also a lawyer. Wow. He could be anybody at this stage. And yeah. I'd rather there was something about him that made her heart flutter. Or yeah, what's so special about Joel? just kind of piques her interest. It needs to be somebody quite spectacular because, as we all know, Dee Dee is... An award-winning, amazing lawyer. Yes. I just... He, he comes across as being very temporary. And when there's characters like that, then it's hard to be invested. But it's also think... What, I can't see, you know, yeah. six months down the line. He's not going to be here, so, so therefore he's got something wrong with him. And therefore my question is, what is what is it? Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's setting up for, well, she's been in the show a year, now we're going to put her in a, a long-term relationship. I don't know what could go wrong. Maybe, you know, she's going to be too interested, not be able to uh, separate, her, separate business. her business yeah. and, play, and, and yeah, work and, and love life or, or whatever. But I, so but the fact that I know that it's going to be hard to invest in their romance makes me think, well, we need a decent plot here. And so far, that hasn't happened yet. Well, there doesn't even seem to be any hints that he's got a dark secret or that's anything. What I mean. Come on, Joel. What's so he going to do? 101. Is he secretly not a lawyer? <laughs> well, he know. is because he was at the... He was at the police station, wasn't he? Police station. Maybe he was a criminal. Maybe. Maybe this is a case of the Jude, um, Jude Appletons. Yeah. <laughs> I am not, nor have I ever been a criminal lawyer. <laughs> um, okay, so what, what's happened this week? He, Joel is trying to... Seduce her. Seduce Dee Dee, but she's... Um, Oblivious. That, yeah, you can say all my adjectives if you like. Um, she's she's wants to... She He's saying, look, I'm going over to America at some point to do a bit of lawyering. Maybe, I mean, this is the other thing. We're being literally told he's not going to be in the country soon. No, I think he was saying that. To, to get in with her. Well, see, I kind of missed well, it because everything I, that happened in this story oh this God. week, as much as I like, do like Dee Dee, I wasn't necessarily Literally. paying attention to well, what was happening. Yeah, they're having a day. Whatever. I love Dee Dee's self-confidence because he says, listen, Dee Dee, can you talk me through what the difference is between American and British law? And she's like, yeah, I'll do it in an hour. I know. I've got an hour free. <laughs> I'll just let you know. That... And it's like, also, she didn't say what what part of America are you going to? Because I think they're all different, aren't they? All the states are different. I think that's the whole point of it, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've got Adam there smirking away because he's been a bit of a cupid this, this week. 
him saying I'm going to America to do some lawyering, is this how we feel when Americans say, I'm going to go to Europe for the week? Yeah. Like, yeah, what specific... Well, you can't have got to be more specific. Um, anyway, so they, <laughs> they go to the pub. Dee Dee is completely oblivious to the fact that he's got the hots for her and actually does spend the whole hour talking to him about the uh, ins and outs of American law. She's like, and in she... America, unlike here, they have gavels. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, and then she goes back to the office they and Adam says, I can't believe you haven't noticed he was desperately trying to track you, uh, chat you up. He, she says, just like we have school uniforms... And we also have uniforms for lawyers, but they don't do that in America. They just wear what they like. They can wear their own outfits. Can you believe I can it? see I was right. I'm just skipping ahead to Wednesday when Joel and Dee Dee meet up and Dee Dee says to him straight, look, you're not really even interested in US law, are you? You're just using it as an excuse to come on to me. And he's like, well, he's a bit embarrassed at first. He says, no, I, I am. I am interested. No, oh, no, says, oh, no, I you am are right. just coming on. Yeah, I know. I am always right. No, I thought that he was saying... I am interested in US law, but also I was trying to... It doesn't matter. I don't care what Joel's future plans are for his career, Yeah. funnily enough. But there's some kind of drama that Dee Dee's supposed to be hanging out with Adam and every time, every date that Joel suggests that they meet up together, she's already... Got work. Got, got, got something up in her diary. So, oh no, is she going to meet up with Joel? Yes, she does. They have a lovely date on Friday's episode. Well, Adam ends up Adam. tricking her, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, Adam's bit playing Cupid yeah and um, they have a lovely time he's mega impressed to hear that she's James Bailey's sister and um, then then they go back and he he gives her a kiss and then goes home I can't believe he didn't say and he put his foot in it about James Bailey what what should he have said are you James Bailey's sister the one that nearly died oh yeah (laughs) wouldn't you have brought that up if you were him like oh my god were you there when he died (laughs) Um, so she Maybe. also didn't. She also didn't use that opportunity to boast about the t- fact that she negotiated his contract. Very true. So that was one of my first scenes. Actually, I negotiated his contract. I'm not even. I don't even do sports. <laughs> um, Maybe you know this gentle introduction to the romance is good because sometimes I complain when a character is just desperate to get into the pants of the other one straight away and we don't get to see much of the courtship stage. They People mm. just get have a drunken snog and there we go, they're going out. And here we maybe it's going to be a bit sweeter, but I don't, they just need to put something in there to make me a bit more interested in this. I don't know, I don't know if this has happened and, and I haven't seen it, but I don't know that Ian McLeod's done a character profile where he's like... Joel's going to make a splash when he first in, comes on the street and he's going to be after all the ladies. Watch out, everybody. Joel's a woman... A womanizer. And <laughs> Joel's, <he> knows, a woman. <laughs> Joel's a woman. Joel's a womanizer. secret. I was going to say woman eater, but that's not right, is it? No. You can have a man eater, but you can't have a woman eater because I think that's illegal. Yeah, you also can't have a manizer. Manizer. Man- mm. Manizer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. He's not a character, is he? He's a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, we were talking this week about... They seem to have got rid of Dee Dee's klutzy side, haven't they? Yeah. That was the thing. Does anyone else notice that? When Dee Dee came in, the, the way the publicity described her was like, you know, she's a hotshot lawyer Dee Dee in the courtroom, but then she, she's, she's... an idiot. Got, she's, she's got toilet paper trailing off uh, out of the back of her skirt. And there were lots <laughs> of scenes at the beginning where she would lose things or... Well, they, yeah, she'll say, oh, I've got not got my papers in Yeah, she misplaced order. something and she seemed like completely unorganised but get her in the courtroom and she, you know, she'd slay them. But they don't, they don't seem to have that anymore. She just seems to be a 
a bright, bubbly, vibrant, just a normal confident, um, funny business, not businesswoman, a lawyer woman. Lo- lo- lawyer woman. Um, well, they did have a bit where she was like, where's my keys? Only oh, they're very in brief- my pocket. Yeah, very briefly. But I think I prefer that. I felt it, a bit forced before, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. There's only so many times that something can say, oh, there we go again. I mean, look what we're seeing with Kirk. Which, which story oh, was Kirk no. in? Uh, he was in... Um, he, he was, was in the, the he was in the Ed no he was not he was in the Ed storyline today going around well he was he was jumping into different people's stories saying oh is that dolphin friendly and and this is what happens when you just try and make somebody painfully funny and repeat the same things again we, we don't want I didn't want Dee Dee to go down that route and go oh I lost my lost my lipstick again anyway what I'm trying to say is I think that current iteration of Dee Dee is best iteration of Dee Dee. I'm really, really pleased with the way her character is going. Long may that continue. Um, I forget, who's doing the storyline? I've forgotten where we're up to now. Do you want to talk about Sabrina for a bit? On yes, Monday, you do, I can tell. We see the salon. Yeah. Max is there, souping up, because I think he's... Is he... Still atoning for Lauren's um, wrecking of the place last week. So, Max... I like the way that Coronation Street's punishing Lauren for her crime of, you know, being, uh, crapping up the, the salon, but no, still no peep about her being a white supremacist. You you just can't let that go, can you? Can't you can't tell me that she, she, you can't have a character who's hanging around with white supremacists and not have her say at any point, by the way, I didn't actually think that myself mm. and, and expect me to believe it, to, you know, to think that she's any different anyway so he's sweeping away and max is talking to um david about being worried about lauren and and he says look she's she's got roy to look after her now lauren and roy meanwhile are trying to work out where she can stay we've already really spoiled the end of this we haven't got any ideas Ooh, where could it be roy says to nina would you mind if lauren came to stay with us and she says look i'm, I'm worried about about you because we already know she tried to come on to you and she's vulnerable and unstable. And then Roy says, Lauren should move in with Evelyn. Um, no, Lauren, Ron, Lauren, go to the flat. Evelyn, move in with me. Sorry, there's a bit of cross Still don't know where Nina's going to be. Roy stops to the salon to let Max know Lauren's in the, in the precinct, but Sabrina's not very happy because it turns out they live next door to each other. Yeah. They had the scene towards the end of Monday's episode, which seemed to be setting up, or neighbours at war with Sabrina and Max and Lauren, but then they completely don't go anywhere with it, which is a bit of a... I'm still quite surprised at the exterior of those two precinct flats because they obviously knew what they were going to do with them when they were set dressing the exterior. Oh, what, with the gnomes and stuff? Why has Sabrina got a bunch of weird gnomes and and plastic flowers (laughs) and, and... the flat that Cassie's inherited used to have all the dog stuff outside of it, but I don't think they've moved it. I don't know. Who knows? Nobody. Um, so, yeah. More, more to come on this story later on. Um, Who's I, Mrs. Periwinkle? Mrs. Oh, I just wrote down Mrs. Periwinkle because that was the person. She got a line, didn't she? She was the person oh, in the, in the salon whose um, hair danger was cutting. We were only just saying, what, what, are they not going to ever cut anyone's hair ever again? Mm. But I told you that it, it, oh. I don't. it winds me up when... Um, these these minor, you know, one-off characters get given silly names. Sorry to any periwinkles out there. Yeah, but everybody. It in seems the like everybody who books, goes salon books. Yeah, everyone in the salon books has got like a little twee name. Yeah, I can't think of any right off the top of my head, but it really annoys me. Um, and it's then finally, we've got bucket. the um, 
Ed, Edna Gigi storyline. Um, basically, Gigi. yes, basically, Ed's gambling. He's gambling on the horses, and he's not. And he's telling Ronnie, "No, I'm not." And Kirk saw him. Kirk saw him on the bookie on the street with all the bookies. But Ed says, "No, honestly, I'm fine. I don't. That I don't need me. any money. I'm not struggling financially." And Ronnie says, "Well, that's okay then." And we we hear that um, Debbie is a is a bit of a a fiend for stealing other people's food. When you when you go to a restaurant, I don't believe it. Where she put it all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe well, maybe she's like um, Sabrina because she's very sly, but apparently also a that's true. She's a competitive eater. eater. Yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway, so that was that with this week's Coronation Street. I, I quite enjoyed chatting about that with you today. It started off very very. Um, you know, Sorry. uninspiring with the stew storyline. But you know, if Corey's going to make it the A storyline of the week, we'll we'll give it its dues. I just give it its stews. <laughs> but how can that got a big laugh than anything else that I painstakingly worked hard to do? Um, yeah, so I, I, it, it didn't didn't work for me. But the um, the 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 Wednesday of the RD and Dev and Courtney storyline was brilliant. I I just love a good tense dinner party scene in fiction. Yeah, good. They have, yeah. They, um, where have we seen I can't think of any shows that we've seen them but when they get uh, when characters are sitting and having dinner the together the IT crowd is like the, the IT, dinner party scene the IT crowd dinner party is episode the is the best but there are other ones it's uh, is it like was there one in Dr. Foster maybe oh yeah that was great having characters sitting around a dinner party where some of them know something but yeah, they can't I love say it. I love and they it kind of, I, I love classic. I love that. So well, and it was also... really really well done on Corey. Yeah. yeah. Well, it also no. well. Um, so so that was quite good. Um, the Paul storyline. I, I I think that's one that in my head when it comes on I kind of think oh no not the Paul storyline again and then I constantly find myself think then thinking oh no this is actually really really good so that was super. Paul's storyline is the most I've ever enjoyed a medical based storyline. Yeah. At last they've got it right, Gemma. They got they it. They've got to crack it. jokes about it, and I'm in. <laughs> um, but there, there were storylines. You know, the Joel storyline was very filler, despite filling three episodes or you know featuring in three episodes. Sabrina, not much happened. Ed's story was a warm up. So um, yeah, a real, real mixed bag this week, with some big highs. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna let you score yeah, it first. Yeah, I'll give it that's okay. um, three brains in Ardy's boxer shorts. <laughs> three brains in his boxer shorts. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm thinking three as well. Um, I am going to give. I'm going to give it three angry badges out of five, which was David's name for Kevin's haircut. Oh, that didn't work. That scene didn't land for me, unfortunately. Um, what was it, David saying about? David the... saying he's he's separated everybody's hair into twelve distinct. Um, styles based on animals. Yeah, and Kevin's the angry badger, which I think does absolutely fit him. But also, he, is he said, angry Kev, isn't but it? he said that um, that Ken was the Lion King, which is not a, an animal; it's a movie. Yeah, did I he mean Simba? Because I, I I can see that. It's one of those things that I like the concept, but I it think didn't it's work just in the, execution. It, at all. it needed a little bit more work. And what was it? What was um? Oh, Max was supposed to be that, Funky but... Gibbon. Yeah. But it, in Why? what way does his hair look like I a Funky know. Gibbons? No idea. Um, it didn't work. It should have been celebrities because I don't think animals really have haircuts, do they? Not really. No. Not really. Um, who's your character of the week? 
Oh, that's a good Gemma question. Minor. I hadn't thought. I thought of what, of what my score was, and I was smug about it. Yeah, I, and now it, I it was looking like it was going to be a two and a half, but so, so it just kind of tipped into the three for me this um, week. Um, was Shelley in it this week? Vaguely. I'm going to give it to Shelley. Have I given it to her before? I don't know. But she's great. I love her so much. Um, yeah, Shelley. It's got to be Shelley. I'm R.I.P. I'm loath to give it to Evelyn again because it feels like we're doing it all the time. But honestly, she's had some of the best lines this week. But um, she also wasn't a major player, so I don't feel so guilty if I don't give it to her. Uh, Dev was fantastic on Wednesday. Um, mm. Oh... Dee was good. Paul was excellent. I think I think I'm gonna go Paul. I think as being the main character, as thinking of the the growth that his character went through this week, the acceptance of help, the the um joining joining along and kind of having a good laugh with with uh, with Shelley, um, the fantastic acting from um, from Peter all combines to make Paul my character of the week. I'm very pleased to give it to him. So that is it. Shall we do some news? Yeah. It's time for the cabin. We have got some news. This has got not much news, but there's some big news this week. And um, I was very, very excited to see this one come up online the other day. So, you know, you know, they've been doing a bit of building at the Coronation Street Studios recently. And, you know, they've opened up a great exhibit centre. They've got some big old empty rooms upstairs. And, yeah. and an excellent cinema. They are going to be used next month for a Coronation Street fan screening thing. This is a great idea. This is good. I'm not, maybe I'm not selling it quite as well as I should be with the right words, but it is late on Friday. Um, an evening with Todd Boyce is going to be taking there on taking place there on Friday the 13th ooh, of October. So what is an evening with Todd Boyce? Well, according to the publicity that came out with this, if you get tickets, by the way, if this is the first you've heard about, it's too late, it's sold out. Yes, but sold the, out. the people who are lucky enough to get tickets are going to be able to watch a crucial nail-biting episode episode of Coronation Street in the presence of Todd Boyce. Now we don't know, we've not, you know, we've we've not been privy to any information about what's actually happening on that week, but you know, it's super soap week, isn't it? This is uh, uh, Todd Boyce is going to be there, Stephen. I'm not going to say anything, but you know, we're all That's thinking what it. we're thinking here. No, well, I want him to last to Christmas because I want <laughs> I want to see um, people's reactions. He might do. He might be doing another killing himself. This I, I literally. Hope so. I, I don't know. I can well, only. Well, the character guess. obviously the character is Stephen Reed. I'm yeah, sorry, Reed. I didn't. Say um, that, so uh, yeah, so he, he's going to be he there be, watching yeah, like an say, episode with you. He could be killing somebody. He could be running away. He could be turning up dead. He could be killing Audrey. He could be telling Elaine that she's stupid and making another face at her in the microwave. <laughs> I would watch this man do anything. So I wouldn't mind. We um, didn't get any tickets. We didn't. Friday I mean, 13th. When was it? Was it, like, was it Tuesday, Wednesday the tickets for this came online? And, and you had a look straight away and it, it didn't take long for this to be sold out. Unfortunately, m putting it on a Friday means that you limit severely the number of people who can make it to a very small geographic area which I think I'd hope them to look at in the future because it feels a bit unfair to people that don't live 
very close because six forty-five. I mean, it starts at six ten. This particular, this particular one. I get the point of it is that oh, yeah. it's watching the episode live with somebody. Watching which is really nice. It, but... Yeah, it, it's it's fantastic. It's it's watching the episode. I don't know whether you get to see it a little bit before when it's on because basically th- this is what happens. For, for this is what I gather from uh, the press release and everything. So you get there, you go to the Coronation Street experience. Um, you go into the cinema room where you'd normally see the pre-show um, reel before you get onto the street and then they will show you that night's episode. The whole thing is hosted by soap queen Cheryl, Sharon Marshall and um, then after the episode has been on there's a Q&A with Todd Boyce. Now if you're a premium ticket holder and how much are they? £70 I yeah. think? Yeah. Then you got to meet him for a one-on-one chat afterwards and get a photo behind the rovers with him up in the exhibit space. Um, and you all get to go around the exhibit. It sounds like a really, really, really fun evening. Like you said, it's if if these things were to happen again, it's going to be not easy for us to get there on Friday. It's not impossible because my timetable can be slightly more flexible um, at the tail end of the week this year. But um, if you if you're living if you're living anywhere nearby, if you're in the kind of the Greater Manchester area. You, I, I really hope that you get to go to one of these. I, how many seats? I can't remember how many seats there even are in the in the theatre there. Well, it's quite, it's it 50, is quite intimate. There are fifty pe- fifty tickets per 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 tour. Tour, and yeah. it pretty is pretty packed. In we've been on tours before where there's it's been full, mm. and I would say there are very few seats left. So I'm I'm going to say that they're pro- that's probably about fifty. 50, 60 people. Yeah. You get a glass of Prosecco. Yeah, you do. I mean, I don't know how much Sharon Marshall costs to do this, (laughs) but I can do it next time. Yeah, next time I get Gemma to actually run it, that'd Mm. be fantastic. So, um, James James Penfold, who is ITV's controller of Global Brand Licensing UK, fancy title. Uh, Every single time we do one of these, somebody new turns up. Somebody new turns up. He's got a job we've never heard of before. (laughs) Global Brand Licensing. He says, we know the viewers want a chance to connect more closely with our programmes and at Corrie, our new visitor centre gives us the opportunity to do just that. It's exciting for all of us to be able to give fans the chance to experience something unique. The event's the start of a series of special evenings which you hope will not only give fans memories for a lifetime, it will also give our cast and crew the chance to meet people who make the show what it is, our viewers. I mean, he, he says it right there, doesn't he? A start of a series of special events. I am so excited to hear about what this is going to turn into and I really hope that somebody listening to this is going to be going along to there in a couple of weeks. I mean, we know that a couple of the tour guides there listen to the podcast. I mean, I don't, don't know what you can say. <laughs> you, you go, I, yes. I, 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 re- I really, really, really want okay. to hear how this goes. Right, it's so listen. exciting. Um, this makes me happy for two reasons. Number one, it makes me think, and also given the number of um, Cory actors that we know want to do the tour, that the Cory actors in, really enjoy mm. doing their star tour stuff because... Um, I was a bit worried that it might be in te- too intense for some people. I don't want to name names, but there are people that I know find this kind of stuff quite scary that have done those events. Mm. And obviously they had a really positive experience. So that's really nice to know how well people have been received on the Star Tours by the fans. There's obviously a really nice mutual love going on there, which means it's a positive experience that they want to continue. Number two, just, I don't know if anyone's listening from the Coronation Street Experience or Global Brand Licensing UK. But maybe 
it doesn't have to be a live episode and it doesn't have to be on a Friday and it doesn't have to be a current storyline or a current character. Why don't we bring back some cool older faces? Like, why don't we watch a really crucial episode with Pat Phelan in it with Conor McIntyre yeah, on a Saturday or, evening? you know, show the tram crash. Yes, Marathon. and have anybody. There's, there's so much that they could do They here. could even have a screening I, of that without any, any celebs I know, there, we, but... If we, if we, no, if we, if we just thought of this off the top of their head, surely these guys have already thought about it as well. Yeah. You're absolutely right to say that surely the success of the Star Tours is making them think, you know, we can cash in here. And the, yeah, the other good thing is that it's, this sold out in the day. Yeah, you know? that, that and it, shows that and there it was is... A limit, it, was a, it, it had a limited reach because it was a geographical area that you have to be able to reach this place by mm. 610. So it limits the audience. But they still... And the, and it was very expensive. It was £50 for a normal ticket and £70 for the VIP ticket. Yeah. So it was expensive. But that obviously did not stop it from selling out. No, I was really, really... You know, it, it, it's... It's, like, it's annoying. I, 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 it, I'm gutted for the people that <laughs> weren't able to get tickets this time round. But I'm really, really thrilled that it did sell out because it's going to show those people at the Coronation Street experience, yes, we do want this. It's amazing. The Star Tours have clearly been a big success. They used to be monthly, but now it's been every week for the past, what, two, three months at least? Um, no sign of stopping there. This could be the start of a really exciting renaissance of Coronation Street fan events. We see that these they go on in Canada every now and then, don't they? Yes, they have their own true. kind of fan-led pings, they're called, aren't they? I think it's a, a, a ping still a thing. Do I don't know. Whether, oh, wait, is that like it's 10 like years ago? It's like a pub event, isn't it? Yeah, um, but they also have, obviously, the, the meet and greet the characters. They just had um, Sally and... Uh, and it was Sally and Joe jo that went, wasn't it? Um, Sally, Carmen, Carmen Dutton, um did their so talking. Um, yeah, Abby, Abby and Tim, Tim did their talk in Canada earlier this year. I think Tim might have another one also. Joe's got another one coming up. But we always said, oh, why can't they do things like that here? Now's the chance. And, you know, there could be conventions there. It's, it's so, so exciting. You're absolutely right. I agree that, you know, if they want to get more people there get it out on a weekend or something. But th this is the first of, yeah, as he said, many. a series. I just, I, I, I can't, I would so excited. You're right. I <laughs> hadn't just, even, I hadn't even considered the, the idea of watching old episodes I'm together. just going to say, brilliant? the good idea about having older episodes is that you know that they've gone down well. Yeah. There's a chance, I don't think this is going to happen here, but there's a chance that you show an episode that bombs. <laughs> Looking on oh, Twitter, yeah. I don't think it's unusual for people to have quite, uh, what's the word, diverse reactions sometimes to controversial episodes. And But you know, you're not going to be paying 50, 70 quid to go to see Todd Boyce in person if you hate Stephen Reid's storyline. And no. But I can't imagine, oh, I'm really excited about this. Friday I'm, the 13th, I'm, I'm going to be sitting I'm, in front I'm of the telly. I'm so, so happy that they're doing this. This is brilliant. The, the tour is getting, has been getting better and better and better over the year all the star tours they're doing now this I can't wait to see what's going to happen next will they do something do you, at Christmas maybe do you know will there be something at a Halloween episode I can't wait for um, the blog post to, uh, that's going to be written about this to read it <laughs> on the actual uh, on the website itself well you know you say <laughs> yeah. um, Christmas storylines why don't we have a beautiful heartwarming story um, episodes a double a double feature where we can have Hayley Hesmond-Harsh and I've forgotten who plays Hope both talking about cancer at Christmas. That'd be really nice and heartwarming, well, that, couldn't it? That particular actress didn't have cancer at Christmas, Isabella Flanagan, did she? The old hope that had cancer at Christmas. So what? Still the same <laughs> character. Um, they could do stuff for Britain's Got Talent Week. There's a, the, the limit, the end, the, 
the possibilities the for this is are endless. And you're right, it doesn't need to have the key characters in, but surely it could. And the fact well, that so many actors yeah. are signing up, you know, they're getting snapped up with the Star Tours means that surely people would want to come along, would be happy to come along to, to these screenings as well. And like, if they did the tram crash, for example, you could get, you know... The, Sally Denever, for example, she was crucial on those scenes with Molly underneath uh, the the rubble in the in the fact in, in the sort yeah, of the cafe, true. not the cafe, the, the Why corner don't you shot just there. Think or, about what you're saying. I can't. I don't say just do it. I, I, I tell you who loves the tram crash episode. Who? Molly Gallagher. Molly Gallagher. We she know. Could, have having she wasn't in it. She wasn't in it, but, but she, she could come still... and like talk about how great it is to watch it, or she'd yeah. probably buy a ticket. <laughs> or I, I I don't know. I don't know. I just think that this is a really brilliant idea. Um, the, the fans are clearly interested in this this is sending a message to Coronation Street continuum loud and clear that there is a market for this I and, and I really hope that they're not having a bigger bigger venue bigger, bigger mind venue you I mean honestly the Lowry's not that far away if no. they really had so many tickets yeah, I mean, the, the fact that this space belongs to them, that's going to be... Of course, they don't have to pay for it, but they're still limited by space. Yeah. How many tickets could they have sold if they, mm. you know, if they had had more space? Yeah. They'll never know now. Well, there, but there is also, you what know... What they needed could, to do was open a waiting list, say, oh, sold out waiting list, and then mm. they could have seen how many people are actually kind of interested. Yeah. There's there's the cafe there that I guess, it's, should they want to have something in the cafe, they can. You've got your, your other rooms upstairs, like the writer's rooms and everything. There is plenty of space in that building, so we've had a little bit of a look around ourselves, <laughs> that could be used for fan events. Um, I, Very exciting. I'm really, Very really cool. excited to see where this goes. Well Fantastic idea. What's Todd Boyce Hope got to say about it? Up. Todd Boyce says, in his best British accent, I can't wait to watch our fans watch me, with me, as my storyline heads towards one of its biggest oh moments yet. Oh my God, yet. what's going to happen? That says, I'm slightly nervous at their reaction. They all know what Stephen's been up to. I'm just hoping Sharon is as good a bodyguard as I know she will be a host. Maybe that's why she was picked. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, God, I don't know. But, um, good luck to everybody um, who's involved in it. And uh, if you've got a ticket, if you're one of the quick to snap that up, good for you. Um, please let us know how it went. Um, well good, done. Good, stuff, good, good job. Stuff. Very exciting. Oh, it, it did mean this week we missed out on two tickets, didn't we? Yes. Because Gemma was my ticket... Um, attempt to buy her this week because Melanie C lovely Melanie C is doing a concert in January for her 50th birthday can you believe she's 50 and Gemma tried two days to get us tickets but they were sold out immediately but thank you for trying Gemma I know it's really annoying never mind never mind we might be able to just get they got they got bought and then immediately being sold for like 200 pounds I know I know they've just been bought bought by a load of scalpers it's very very irritating I don't want to get on in this on this game I, I, I haven't completely lost hope. But <laughs> anyway, have. anyway, that's you enough of that. Going. Very excited about that. Um, thank you very much. Right, TV Times Awards nominations. Yeah, We've it is got... that time again. I've not even written here how you vote. I'm sure you can find you out, though, if you like. just write it on a postcard. Google it. Just Mail Google it. it. Who's up for a TV Times Award this year, Gemma? Favourite soap actor, Charlotte Jordan and Dame Maureen Littman. <laughs> it, is, it is actually written feels as like, Dame Maureen Littman on the like nomination Feels like it's a bit form. of a loaded ticket that doesn't it Dame Maureen Littman and who Plev do Charlotte you want Jordan out of this peasant <laughs> and this theatrical legend uh, favorite <laughs> mind you actor. if I was a dame everyone would know about it and they'd have to call me that for the rest of my even life even me um, yeah. favourite young actor we've got Isabella Flanagan versus Jude Riordan and that's I guess some people one. from other soaps as well these both are both can I just say really I was cracking Charlotte there. Jordan and uh, Maureen Littman what a great 
Yeah, absolutely. Pair. Why? Oh, of course they're not. They're what? not doing actor and actress, are they? No, no, no. It's just it's just general actor okay, they're great. doing here. And um, favorite soap is Coronation Street. There's tons of categories in the TV Times Awards, um, but these are the three that you've got to make sure you go and click on and get Coronation Street a vote because you know what those EastEnders fans are like. They're, they're going to be they're going to be a bit on auto click. That we we got to do something, Coronation Street fans. <laughs> Show, no, that, show just... that there is still public support for Coronation Street yeah. out there that isn't, you know, above the fact that it's still top of the ratings. Come on. Um, finally, uh, this is, is this news kind of news? This, this last thing for today? So we, we made... Who was it that showed us this? Somebody sent us... I think it was John. Somebody wants us to take the job. Yeah. There's a, there's a job going at Coronation Street and... Um, you know, whenever we, whenever the Coronation Street jobs come up, we go, oh, that's not quite, it's not quite us. You know, oh, we don't, we don't have the right experience with that job. We can't. Oh, it's not just a job not, that, where they I pay think, us I loads of money finally, to do exactly what we do think already. Finally, we have found a job that's right up our street, which is executive producer. We're of just, continuing just right. drama. Yeah, this is um, this was interesting. So thank you, John, for sending this one to us last week. We we um got this when we were in our tent, didn't we? Um, out in the field, and, and I was lying there in my sleeping bag, thinking about all the possibilities of this one. Um, but yeah, they are getting an executive producer that, according to the job listing at least, seems like it's going to be covering Coronation Street and Emmerdale, right? Yes. It, you, you, yeah. you got this. You got this on your phone still from from before. So it's, this it's is an awful lot. It's, it was listed on the eighth, and it's yeah, like I said, executive producer of continuing drama, permanent, full time. At Manchester and Leeds. So it's clearly... I don't know whether they come out and say it outright, but this is clearly somebody who is going to be overseeing the production of Coronation Street and Emmerdale. Now, there's been a bit of... um, a bit of a, a tough time at Emmerdale recently because one of their because their executive producer has stepped down, so it feels like you know it's the right time for and Coronation they, Street they, doesn't they, have an executive producer. No, not since Kieran Roberts left, and that was it used to be he was the executive producer and yeah, for, and it, for quite a and long it time. seems now that the producer of Coronation Street is kind of doing his job as well, or is nobody doing his job? I, I don't know, but they're going to get somebody in that's going to rule over both of the soaps, and I'm I'm quite happy to hear this news. I, I like the idea that there's going to be somebody new at the top, but it does make you wonder, like, who's it going to be? My initial reaction, I don't know whether you thought the same as me as well, is, well, Ian McLeod's going to go for this job, surely, because he's been the producer of um, Emmerdale and Coronation Street, so he knows both of these. I mean, many people are saying it's time for him to move on from Coronation Street, so to me it feels like it's the natural move for him to... You know, take that one step upwards if that's the case though you know does Verity become the producer of Coronation Street I don't know whether I particularly fancy that idea Coronation Street at the moment as much as I'm enjoying some stories absolutely needs some fresh blood and if it were Ian McLeod going for exec Verity going for producer I don't think there's going to be much change to the status quo it it needs a shake-up yeah I mean I don't know either of these people I know, of course not. I want to also point out that the idea that the uh, being a producer, the producer role at Coronation Street, has got to be a bit of a revolving door, is a relatively new idea in the in the sort of show's history. What do you mean? Well, that you know that that for many years you keep the same producer. There there have been periods of lengthy and not so lengthy producers. Yeah, I, know. So I think so that five saying... years, even in the grand scheme of things, that is is still a bit of a rarity. There have been some 
very you know some producers that have stayed for a long time but I don't know I think I think um, it's a bit of a modern era obsession to be talking about who's the producer of Coronation Street Mm. Um, I feel yeah yeah you're under a bit of a microscope aren't you yeah this is and this is also um, an interesting role because uh, it's a very specific set of skills that they're asking for. You can read that the um, yeah, it, the it says it says you need to have been a soap producer, outstanding track record in delivering editorial and commercially successful continuing dramas at producer level. So there ain't many people that There's can actually go for this pool job, of and, talent, and that yeah. that says that's minimum criteria. So I mean, now we don't know as much about the other soaps and their producers, but like you just said, Ian Verity have been working on Coronation Street for a long time now. Mm. I think Amadel's got like three producers. They've got three producers, but then I think one of them stepped up to the executive producer role, and that's the one that's left. So I think there's still two producers. Correct me if I'm wrong. I quite possibly am. Two producers on Emmerdale at the moment. Two. I don't understand that situation they've got up. What what we don't want. Is to have Ian to become the executive producer and then one of Emma Dale's producers to come over to Coronation Street and there's no new blood whatsoever. They need to get somebody who's going to give them a shake-up like we've had with EastEnders recently. Coronation Street needs its Chris Glenshaw. You don't know that. What? You don't know that. What don't I know? You're no good sitting here making proclamations about what we do and do not know. It's not our decision for a start. Secondly, we don't know whether this has been written for someone specific. And you keep saying, oh, it's got to be continuing drama, etc, etc. But if you also want fresh talent, you can't just go back to the same old well. And also your idea of what is continuing drama producer is, is quite limited. It's just based on BBC and ITV. But there are loads of people. It, could, it might not even be somebody from the UK. It could be someone from a different country. I wonder, when, when I read the job listing, it felt like it was written for somebody. There can't be very many applicants for this. I'm going to say, I, obviously my dream outcome for this would be Kate Oates going back from like EastEnders. No, she she's head of, I can't remember her job title at the moment, but she's head of like six soaps. She's got, I think she's head she, of continuing drama, isn't she? Something BBC. like that. Yeah, because she, she, she oversees like, Casualty and that Welsh soap that I can't remember how the pronunciation of, but we say properly Quim. <laughs> I know it's not that. <laughs> she, she oversees lots of them. So uh, th- there's no way that Kate is coming back over. And Stop saying like, everybody by their first names that you don't know. Kate Oates. Kate Oates. Um, I just don't know. Is Stuart Blackburn going to come back? Is someone like Phil Collins? Yeah, there are are people who've done this job before. Mm. Um, uh, When they go in for it, though, at the end and they say, are there any questions? Do the applicants say, how much much does it pay? And then they write it down on a bit of paper and fold it up and slide it across. And then then the, um, the panel say... Excellent. You know exactly how soaps work. Mm-hmm. We're going to hire you. I see. I think that I can still. You can still get fresh blood and fresh ideas with somebody who's you know been part of Coronation Street before in the executive producer role because I, I I'm under the impression that it's still the producer who is the mostly in charge of the day-to-day stuff and maybe the executive producer's role partly is to sign things off and because you're overseeing the two soaps, more of the creativity can come down to the producer's side. So I still... Well, 
The, sorry. No, I go on. The, the skills you need is proven uh, experience and track record with continuing dramas at producer level, um, and managing teams and uh, having a, a inclusive management style and a track record of pushing through efficient ways of working and uh, experience of achieving editorial ambition within budgetary and legal constraints and managing people with tact on and off-screen talent and and presenting to a wide, wide range of stakeholders. So it's not just sitting back and going, yeah, all right, run the lives are over. No. The, the other option, I guess, is John Whiston, who's the head of continuing drama of ITV in the North. So he's he's currently responsible for... Coronation Street and Emmerdale. I don't know. It's all it's all kind of very well, it's muddy. Like and it's feeling like we've had this. About Go on. All these different job titles that just <coughs> sound like I've never heard of that job before. Yeah. I th- I think it's you know when, when did the job when did it close? 8th, oh, 25th. twenty fifth. Twenty fifth of September. The applications close. There aren't going to be very many candidates, so it Should could we well be that apply? in in two months. No, sorry, not two months. Two weeks they will know who's got it. Whether or not they choose to announce it there and then, it's I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. It, I'm, I'm really interested to see who gets it and, and what difference it makes. Um, yeah, Listen, exciting it, times. And, it, and it, this... We, we, it, I'm just most... The most the thing I'm most looking forward to and kind of excited about is it could mean a bit of a reshuffle that Coronation Street needs and Ian McLeod can't stay there forever. If it does... One good thing, I think it will be taking some of the pressure off of the producer's job. You are absolutely. And sharing a bit of the um, the responsibility and perhaps giving more creative reign to the producer. Yeah. Because at the moment, the producer's such a, bo- such a sort of big umbrella um, to put somebody under, isn't it? Mm. Um, because it's logistics and management as well as creative direction and you can't do I don't know how any any one person does this and if it say say that the producer an executive producer comes in and Ian McLeod stays where he is I I, I don't know could that help um, come up with give give free up some space and time Mm. to think of a different way of doing some stuff that feels to us like it's holding the show back a little bit, like block filming. And so you... I just don't know, as much as I hate the how obvious block filming can be in Coronation Street sometimes, but, I don't know whether anybody could come in and change that. No, but I know, but the thing is, when you're in... It feels like it's it's kind of like you're treading water and you're, you're constantly... I, I don't know how you ever have breathing room, being the producer of a soap, you're yeah. the only person there. Um, how how do you ever stop and think? Is there another way of doing this? Well, you well the thing is with Ian, you've got Verity, who I can't remember what her job title is at the moment. Is she deputy or? or well, I don't or, know. You're talking like you know her. Verity McLeod, wife of Ian McLeod. So the two of them, you know, it's probably pillow talk for them. Oh, what should we have? Paul die off. I so yeah. Well, you know, changes are afoot. Hopefully, and hopefully for the better. EastEnders, and I'm sorry that I keep banging on about it. I've not even watched any of it. But Chris Clenshaw apparently came into EastEnders. Is that isn't it, is it Clenshaw? Or yes, not Crenshaw. No, Clenshaw. I don't know. Yeah, it's Clenshaw. EastEnders was really in the doldrums, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. Um, everybody was saying that it's like it was one of its lowest ever points, and it did not take long for somebody new to come in, turn it around, and although it's still low in the viewing figures, 
that there's raised the year on year it's raising and and everybody's talking about it and and that's what Coronation Street needs it just doesn't feel like everyone's talking about Corrie and as the UK's premier soap I I think they should be so we'll see I mean yeah we we, we may well know in you know two weeks who it's going to be who knows exciting times um should we do some should we do some feedback yes Are you sure mm. absolutely 100% yes okay Right, let us get on with some feedback then. Oh, I so, accidentally said let us get on with some feedback then, but that, that kind of works. Isn't it? Nobody, we, we, we haven't got a letter. Send us a letter and we'll read it out. We'll open the envelope live on, no. on the stream for you. Um, Gemma, if pe- well, what, what could be, if people would like to have their lovely feedback read out on this podcast, what do they need to do? Email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. It's easy, where? Conversationstreet at gmail.com. One more time, with feeling. Conversationstreet at gmail.com. So good at this, yeah, excellent. Last week, Coronation Street on the Facebook poll scored 3.31 out of 5. So, kind of a fairly middling um, week for uh, our Facebook viewers. Jonathan gave it three and a half slices of toast with mango chutney. We didn't get any happy this week. Oh, can't believe it. Uh, Beverly, I liked hers. Three and a half wasted term spent at the University of Rod Hull and Emu. I can't even remember what that was in <laughs> reference to, but I remember them talking about it somewhere. And um, so I've got to include that. And Steve was my pick of the week. He gave it three aged up kids at Jack's party to make it not so obvious that Jack actor is four years older and two foot taller than all the other kids. Combined. That, combined. <laughs> Thank you, everybody Thanks. who voted. Always love it when people vote on the poll. Thanks for taking the time to do so. Gemma, we got a message from um, Linda this week. And some of this is, I'm going to say, she's she's pointing out a mistake that I made. And I know you love to point out my mistakes. So um, I'll let you read this one. I make mistakes all the time. The feeling. Everyone knows what I'm like. <laughs> What's Linda? Why, what makes you special? Nothing. Sorry. You, you tell me you married else, me. Then. <laughs> well, Linda, what's she got I'll to say? I'll read what Linda says, though. Yes. She says she's been watching Coronation Street since 1999, when she briefly moved home with her parents. And I'll continue reading it in her voice now, because it's too complicated. You, you switched to the first person, yeah. Uh, my mum had begun watching Corrie, and she watched it every night, so I got to be absorbed around that time. I've been watching it ever since, even though my mum has quit watching it. I live in Canada and none of my friends watch it, so I was elated to find your podcast. I have now scheduled my Coronation Street consumption so that I line up with your episodes. Thanks. I'll watch a batch of episodes of the show, then listen to the episode of your podcast, and without exaggeration, your podcast has really made it even more enjoyable. This is nice feedback, isn't it? Yeah. I love... I can't read it when you move. Sorry, just scroll on the page. I love to hear your recap and your discussion of the characters and plot lines. I especially love it when you mimic Steve's Canadian <laughs> accent. Honestly, I get a real kick out of it. Oh, we didn't even get any of it this week. Steve I know, but I think appear. I've lost the knack. You know, I know there's more details about before. the show. Right, she says, I noticed more details about the show and I appreciate the characters and their performances even more after finding your podcast. When I see a really good scene, like the one with Evelyn and her daughter arguing in the hospital, so good. I look forward to you, but hearing you both weigh in on the show. One thing I've noticed, and maybe this is moot, but if it's already been resolved, but the last two... This, po- this, is, this is the bit where I went wrong. The last two podcast episodes I listened to, 587 and 588, are misaligned with the Canadian episodes that we see. For instance, for episode 588, while the show notes say that it corresponds to the Corrie episodes 11,024 to 11,029, that's mostly correct, but it was actually episodes 11,025 to 11,030, at least according to what's broadcast in Canada. Yeah, no. That, that I, like, gonna... I like the way you're allowing for it to be mostly correct. That's very tactful. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something here. Um, sorry, I forgot your name. Linda. Linda. Sometimes I will check the episode numbers and sometimes... You just add it on, don't you? I will say, I think we were here last time and I, I just, just make it up. and I count it wrong. So yeah, there have absolutely been weeks where I know we've said the wrong numbers in the podcast. There have been some weeks where we've said one set of numbers for the episodes, but the actual, then I change it to be the correct episodes um, in the notes. I hope I don't do it very often because the only reason that we even put the episode numbers in, and this is going back probably like seven or eight years when we first started doing it, is because people in Canada wanted to make sure that their viewing aligned with us as well. So we're like, oh yeah, I can put the episode numbers in. But yeah, I'm sorry, sometimes I do. I am. That is a very low effort task for me and I don't check and I cut corners and now I'm being called out on it. So thank you very much. I will do better in future. It's just nice to know that people actually... Um, use the the, the 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 numbers that we give to help their viewing. It's nice to know that yeah they, they use it so much that they're telling you it's wrong. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. That's the end. That's kind of the end of the email. Oh, okay. I was just saying that she likes using the notes. Yeah. Um. So that is. I'm glad that you enjoy it. Thank you. Yes. Very thank much. you. Oh, it's nice. really nice yeah. It's email. lovely to hear that we have a, another. It's always nice to hear people new listeners. Finding the podcast. Are you on iTunes, Linda? Go and give us a review. We haven't had one for ages. Right, Rebecca, I'm going to read this one. Um, she says, One class Sweeney and Maureen Littman brilliant this week. But it Dame was good. Maureen Littman. Dame Maureen Littman, Rebecca. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't do all that acting just for you to go and call her Mrs. Mrs. Maureen Littman. No. Um, anyway, she says it's good to see Abby again and love how she's conflicted towards Cassie and Ty. I can't remember if Dean was Abby's dealer, but he definitely gave her drugs. The scene where Claire Sweeney took the drugs was a great one, and I also like your theory that Tyrone has a needle phobia. Did we say that? Did you say that? What's the question? That Tyrone has needle phobia. She says she likes our theory that Tyrone well, has we were talking, needle phobia. We were talking about it. I, I, was, I happened to listen to the episode not that long ago. And we were talking about the fact that the whole thing might just be building up to revealing that Tyrone's got a ne- needle phobia because of the dog, because of forgot. Cerberus. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? I hate needles. When Cassie apologised... What do they taste like? When Cassie apologised to those kids about talking being a sex worker, I thought it was quite darkly humorous. As much as I want Cassie and Ty to have a good relationship, I fear in the end Cassie will have one final overdose, leaving Tyrone oh. to suffer from guilt and maybe Evelyn too. I never even thought of that. No, I just kind of thought that... She's just going to go one day. Well, either, Claire's you know, you got, like, you got redemption, which is, you know, a bit of a Coronation Street trope, or... She can't be saved, and Tyrone she says, goes, "Sorry, I can't. I can't look after you anymore. You're on your own." Let's go back to Liverpool. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually consider an outcome where she ends up. And that's why we're doing never, a Shelley. We'll never be executive producer. No, oh, don't. Not with that attitude, you won't. Um, right, I'm going to carry on. Um, I'm lost where we are. Sam asking for couples counselling from Toya was too cute. Um, I love so Gav. So it was too cute for the show. They stopped doing it. Yes. I love Cav, that is all. And he needs to be in more scenes. Gav. Very weird what they're doing with Gav. It's like he's in a scene or two every I've got three months or so. I've got a theory. Gav was murdered in prison. He's yeah. actually his ghost. You reckon? And that's why he doesn't actually seem to live anywhere. He just like haunts such the a playground. Haunting performance. Um, I, I, Do you not think that could be I, true? I, maybe. He's actually a figment of Max's imagination. Yes. 
you're onto something. Lauren saying David caught her and Max at it. I couldn't believe she said that. Then I was like, actually, what is this sentence? I was actually, I do believe she said that. Um, I was surprised Lauren didn't black... I can't even speak today. Sorry, Rebecca, I'm butchering this email. I was surprised Lauren didn't say a black coffee when Sabrina asked for Americano. Oh, yeah, good point. Although I don't think Lauren is that witty. (laughs) Um, Max is an idiot, though. Stringing them both along... I have had a thought. What if Lauren says something nasty to Joel about Dee Dee because he's dating a black girl, showing that she hasn't changed at all? I still don't feel sorry for her whatsoever. Could be. We do have a, a yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, Debbie Adlib was an Adlib. I saw an article. Oh, really? I saw an article about it and I found it funny. Ed's definitely going to gamble the money. I want to read that article. Can you send it to us, Rebecca, please? Um, and he's going to feel guilty about it because it's Michael's future. Two words, kebab man. That was the line of the week. Gutted to see Henry go, but hopefully we will see him again. Hashtag bring back Henry again. That feels so long ago, doesn't it? Glad they mentioned Amy is still going to counselling via talking with Toya. Finally, glad that Daisy is suspicious of Jenny dating Stephen and happy that Sarah accused Stephen of spending Audrey's money on taking Jenny on holiday. This shows Sarah still hasn't forgiven Stephen and wants him to pay Audrey back. Character of the week is Abby and I will give this week... Three and a half kebab men <laughs> out of five. Nice. nice. Okay. There's only one kebab man, uh, Rebecca. Come on, you know this. Who is it? Hen- uh, Chesney. Oh, you didn't even know. I don't even know who I'm talking about. It's Chesney. Thank goodness there's only one I Chesney. Because imagine if there were three and a half Chesneys. Oh, me. no. I suppose Nancy. they're close with the quads going around. You've got four of them. Oh, no. I hope they don't take after him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Right, go on, Nancy. Nancy says, Abby gave a wonderful analogy of what being addicted to drugs is like, and she knew how to handle Dean, too. Evelyn was smart to wait and see what Cassie does, and she didn't react to it. I love that Abby knew what to do when that happened. Dr. Gallus was wonderful. Evelyn's reaction to what Cassie may have said to Tyrone was exactly how any mother would react. It was how mine would have reacted. Tyrone's feelings are fragile and it might be related to Kirsty. I hope that Cassie will get to the point where she hits rock bottom and then will Evelyn need to step in to help Tyrone. Tyrone should speak to Toya so he can learn how to cope with the situation. I love the Toya and Sam scene. Will Tyrone find out about his father? Maybe. I don't know whether I need... If they, If he does... Let him be dead. I, I think, you know, we've been adding to Tyrone's... Tyrone. We've been adding to Tyrone's family quite a bit in the last few years. And I don't think it needs expanding anymore. Yeah, I know. But if Coronation Street was like, sorry, Tyrone, your dad's dead. Then, you know, in five years' time, we'd be like, he wasn't dead at all. It was a lie. Mm. My phone's just been buzzing away and it's actually Nancy. She's just liking some of our tweets <laughs> oh, right. at the moment. Just as we're, just as we're reading it. Her, her ears must have been burning. Probably, yeah. Maria and David did the right thing to get Lauren arrested. Her behaviour that she when she wrecked the salon was so extreme, it felt like a racist reaction to me. Max and Sabrina are great together. I'd like to see Lauren apologise for her actions and maybe Nina could help her. I hope Ed won't gamble all the money away. I've seen marriages break up over this. I would like Ronnie to stop him and get him some help. Will Aggie intervene? Carla's addicted to gambling and she was in self-destruct mode too. Oh yeah, I forgot about Carla's gambling addiction. Yeah, it was, there was a nice sweet scene with um, with. Ed's kind of saying about how he missed Aggie today. I hope we get, I hope you get to see her back from her auntie what's up. Auntie Corona's so. still sick. So. <laughs> I loved Henry's wedding proposal to Gemma and her response and how she spoke about Chesney. I hadn't realised that was Henry's last scene until he spoke about it. I hope we see him return soon. 
Seems like Darren is going to go ahead with his business plans with Dev and Ardy. No. Will Dev be shocked when he finds out about Ardy and pull out? Will Darren be used to Courtney? That little, that little bing that just came through was Nancy as well. Nancy, you reckon our, e- our email section by doing other things? I'll start again. Seems like Darren was going ahead with his business plans with Dev and Ardy. Will Dev be shocked when he finds out about Ardy and pull out? Will Darren be used to Courtney carrying on and go forward anyway? Well, we know the answer to that, don't we? Yeah. Uh, and Nancy gives this week's episode three and a half bottles of lemonade that Gav poured on Max's head out of five. And the character of the week is Cassie with a shout out to Henry. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. And finally, we got an email coming through earlier this evening from George. Not George Banks. The other one. Hi, Michael and Gemma. How come you get a capital letter for your name there, but I don't? That's not fair. You're on the main one. What a week it's been on the cobbles. I don't even know where to start, says George. Wednesday's dinner party was so epic as yeah. Ardy and his bit on the side gets exposed. It was brilliant how it kept bubbling throughout the episode until everything exploded. First with Deb discovering them having a quick... Quick shag? I don't think they were. I hope not. They're gonna... Although we did only see them from the waist up. The Who hope... knows what was going on downstairs? Leanne and Nick clinging on to that hygiene rating <laughs> with their bare fingers. Um, and Darren being told by Ardy, speaking of which, despite his temper, Darren doesn't look like the type to beat someone up. No, but he's probably got a big beefy bouncer to do I was going to say, him. I can pay somebody big to do it Big beefy bodyguard, him. yeah, exactly. Mm. As for the little prat that is Eliza. Oh. Will someone tell us she can't have what she wants all the time? <laughs> she didn't have to go and get herself knocked down by a car just because of a temper tantrum. Know, so and then she goes and runs away just to make a point. I mean, who would have thought we found a worse child than Hope? <laughs> Hope, Hope should have given her, like, running away tips. Hope should have been like, why are you running away and getting run over? Just set fire to a trampoline. Finally, will Adam leave Dee Dee alone and stop trying to set her up with Joel? Anyone would think that he fancies the lad himself. Although that would be an interesting plot twist now, wouldn't it? It would be. I forgot that Adam's staying with Dee Dee at the moment, isn't he? Because we yes, saw at the end of that right. scene, after after Joel and Dee Dee had that shag, sorry, I mean snog, outside, so of, the, outside the of the court. <laughs> so, so difficult to tell this the difference. This explains why we don't have any children. <laughs> That's why everybody looked at us strange at the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> um, no, then, then um, Dee Dee goes into the flat and Adam chases on after her. I'm like, oh, what are you like, doing? Why is he going in? Moving on on Joel's territory. Some kind of meeting. No, he actually lives there because Sarah still kicked him out. Because he was talking to Dad about missing Sarah, wasn't he? So maybe they're setting up for that storyline to kind of reignite itself and have a, a lovely reunion at some mm. point this autumn. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, thanks Thank you, very everybody. much, George and Linda and Nancy and Rebecca and everybody um, who's, who's contacted us this week. Thank you to everybody who enjoyed our um, bonus, episode. bonus episode this week. We're going to go and see old the Debbie Webster's in the flesh. And Debbie Webby. Yeah, and, and just thanks in general for everything for listening. And Thank you, everybody, it the for podcast. helping us. Thank you in advance for everyone who's just about to send us an iTunes review. We definitely appreciate that, especially those five out of five ones. Yeah, they're good, thanks. As Gemma so eloquently put earlier, if you would like to contact us and send us your own email, our address is conversationstreet at gmail.com. But if you don't like email, send us a tweet. Sorry, an X, a post. Was it? We don't read those out, though. We don't send those, but we still like to see them. Yeah, Sometimes nice, we yeah. do. Um, yeah, we... it's nice to get a little notification, somebody saying... Yeah, I'm sorry something. we don't always answer all our tweets, but we do read them all. Um, Instagram, we're there, follow us there, we're on Spotify, we're on Facebook, join our Facebook group, we're on YouTube. Um, do our Patreon. Join our Patreon. You just having a bit of a scratch there. Um, I'm allowed to do what I want. Yeah, we, we, we got a couple of weeks, we've got to do another Patreon episode. I know. So. 
you looking can forward to that. listen to our whole back catalogue as soon as you join our patron yeah, it's i think it's quite good value really certainly is shall we shall we go are we done now i thought that was a good podcast and i i happy i'm happy with how that one turned out considering that it was a so-so week i think we were able to stay fairly animated throughout thanks good. for being a good co-host today. oh well, that's great i'm glad i'm good yeah. Sorry, I point out your mistakes. I just think it's funny. It is funny. I, is Don't it be funny? So offensive. I'm not. I'm just saying that you like doing it. I make plenty of <laughs> I mistakes. I do take great relish. I do want anyone to think I'm trying to undermine you, though. I don't mind. I See, don't mind. I'm trying to make everyone feel sorry for you. It's all right. We're done. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Goodbye. See you next time. And the music for this episode came from those fine folks at podcastthemes.com. Bye.